Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. It's a Star Trek edition, everybody. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Week 91? Week 91 of the Star Trek project. 91. I've named it Harry and the Goo. <laughs> well. So. <laughs> you know, the Goo is much less of a character than I thought it was going to be based <laughs> on your description. I told you they made clones. That's all I could remember. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? And that's the first one we're going to talk about today. Uh, in fourth place last week was Voyager. This week we watched Demon. Down in the valley on the foggy hill rocks with a crazy little demon blowing his top. Fire in his eyes and smoke from his head. You gotta be real cool to hear the words he said. He did a uh what's crazy to me about that clip that i just played is that there's a second verse <laughs> yeah they yeah, came back for another pass that after that cat was mad it's not just screaming jay going you get it uh, yeah isn't it great when life affords you the opportunity to play little demon yeah there are so few opportunities like i don't uh, care is, if it course, was two on the nose demon i don't care if you had lots of other options that had demon in them like you gotta play little demon if you get the chance well, here's the thing. Uh, there's an upcoming episode of one of these shows called Demons. Oh, you get another chance then. There's a demon and a demons. And so there's a song in my library called Demons, but uh, you should play I thought that was um, the outtakes from Little Demon. Uh, I don't have it because I didn't rip the entirety of okay. <laughs> Cow Fingers and Mosquito Pie. Uh-huh. Uh, I just ripped Little Demon. Uh, I put a spell on you. And uh, Hong Kong, which I will not be playing. No, you should not play that on the air. No one should play that, except in the privacy of your own home, and while saying what's being done here is very wrong. A uh, thing of which we were very aware, yes. even in 2000 or whatever. Hard not to be when he says things like chicken chow mein. All right, should we talk about Voyager? <sighs> yeah. My notes start with, well, we went 5 and 11. Not very good. <laughs> um, This week... Voyager is running out of fuel, and they're having to shut down systems all over the place. All the crew have to move in together so they can shut down power to all the crew quarters. Don't worry, it's not about that. This is not that catwalk episode. But it is dumber <laughs> than that episode. It is dumber, that is correct. Yeah, Tuvork and Neelix fight about how much shit Neelix can bring, and then Neelix decides to go to sickbay instead, try to camp out I there. Mean, we'll get into it, but... uh I was kind of on Neelix's side at the start of the fight. I have the same note. <laughs> like, Tuvok's like, you can't bring that book. And I'm like, <laughs> I know living space is restricted, but it's a fucking, it's one book. 
Yeah, I have in my notes that that's cool coming from Tuvok, who probably just meditate for fucking 76 straight hours yeah. or whatever. But, like, what about the rest of us? He, uh, nah, it's worse than that, dude. You know Tuvok brought his Kalto set, but said it was for everybody. That's so right. it didn't count. But he's going to hold court. Everybody's going to play Kalto. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. Uh, meanwhile, Seven uses the fancy map room to find some deuterium to mine. That's the kind of fuel that they need. Uh, and she tracks them to a demon-class planet, where I guess they're gonna have to do some risky mining or something. Um, to be fair, they try to beam up some of the shit, but it, like, blows up the whole transporter room, so. It's pretty bad. It puts some poison gas in there. They vent it somehow. Yeah. Yeah, Seven barely escapes. Um, so Harry Kim fucking pipes up and says he'll just fly a shuttle down there and he'll do it live, you know? Fuck it, we'll do it live. (laughs) That's exactly what he says. Uh, you know, encounter suit, all that shit. Um, Harry Kim volunteers TP to go with him, which was payback for some great jokes that TP made earlier. Uh, they talk about the new assertive Harry. Uh, I guess he's, like, fucking getting his groove back, like Hoshi. And then, um, they fly down to that demon planet. They find a pool of liquid deuterium, and then they find another pool, and when TP, uh, turns around for a second harry stops talking to him and it turns out harry fell into one of the pools <clears throat> tp pulls him out but looks like harry's lost an environmental seal on his suit and as, as his oxygen starts to run out tp loses a seal too and he starts to choke well you're just gonna gloss over the fact that we see odo jump from <laughs> Harry's suit into Tom's, yep. and that's what causes him to lose the seal. We do see some bad CGI it's not, it's business. Silver Odo. It's not Gold Odo. Yes, it's Silver Blood Odo. Uh, we're finally doing the Silver Blood episode, everybody. Um. Anyway, yeah, bad CGI nonsense where there's some goo on the suit, and then um, uh, they both start to choke, and they both apparently die face down in the sands of this demon world. Yep, the mission went just as bad as everyone up there thought it did. Yeah, way to go with your new confidence, Harry. Um, anyway, you know, they both aren't dead because we immediately go back to the B plot where Neelix is trying to convince the doctor to let him sleep in sick bay in a real yep. silly way. So they immediately yeah, well, tell you what the stakes I a, are. I have a lot to say about Neelix. <laughs> yeah. A real shit of a dude. Uh, back to the A plot where Janeway decides in absence of any communications from TP and Harry, her best option is to take the Voyager down to the planet. And I guess sit on top of that deuterium. Uh, so they have a scary emergency landing that breaks the ship pretty good. Chaco goes to look for TP and Harry. Bolana wants to be on the away team, but Chaco won't let her because she's pregnant. I mean, because she's emotionally <laughs> involved. Um, she actually, Matthew, was not pregnant in this one. What? She's wearing that coat. Yeah, she had just given birth. Oh, uh, okay. Well. Maybe she, she wears it for the rest of the season for continuity reasons. Ah. Because <laughs> that's her season four coat. Fucking no kidding. That's literally it. I love it. So they rarely care about continuity, but they're like, she's got to have that coat the rest of the year. People are going to be like, where'd her new jacket go? I thought she was wearing a jacket now. Um, Chaco and Seven end up going, and they find Harry and TP's environmental suits just kind of discarded. And um, they track their footprints. Chaco makes a cool remark about Indian scouts. And eventually, uh, with Chaco having fallen and hanging onto a ledge, they find (laughs) them just hanging out in their uniforms like it's nothing. Like, you know, 
like just out of their encounter suits. Anyway, they lift uh, Chaco off that ledge and um, no dangerous gases or insane heat here, sir. No way, sir. You should take off your helmet too. Yeah, these idiots are Lister's confidence. I also wrote that. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> said TP tries to get Chaco to take his helmet off like Lister's confidence in Red Dwarf. A.K.A. Uh, Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson. Fat Craig Ferguson. Yes, it was a, It was definitely a little bit rounder in the face back then. Maybe it was before all the cool drugs. Who knows? Um. Anyway, we're going to get a, a ticking clock here. There's only two hours of life support left on Voyager. We'll see if that matters. Um, <laughs> the away team beams back so the doctor can check on Tom and Harry. But those two best buddies immediately start choking again. The doctor seals them off and gives them that good, good demon gas, and they start to breathe okay. The doctor tells them they have been bioformed by the fluid in the pools they found. Like, the planet made them able to live there or whatever. Yeah, it's not a great sign when he says, that's real. That's a real thing. <laughs> the air quotes I used, I shouldn't have used them. That's very real. Um... Since they can only breathe the poison gas and it's not safe to do that on Voyager, they'll need to be left on the planet if they want to survive. Uh, Harry goes with Chaco back to the planet to look for that deuterium again. <clears throat> Janeway and Balana test some of the goo from the planet and it like reforms itself into Balana's thumb. Didn't we see this in TNG? Yeah, I don't know if we've seen it yet. Isn't that the one with Aquiel or something? Yeah, it's from Aquiel. Okay. You're right. All right. Well, anyway, so that fucking. <sighs> anyway, so now we know the goo did a replication. It replicated the boys. Um, then one of the Klingons in another episode was also a Klingon on Aquiel, by the way. Oh, the That's one. Like, there's only one episode with Klingons in it. It turns out, but yes, the he's uh, the the one Klingon in that episode, the one that she keeps complaining about, who keeps coming around and harassing him at the station. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so Chaco's team finds the real dead Harry and TP. And then a big pool of the goo tries to eat Voyager. So Janeway orders an emergency ascent, but replicant Harry gets a panic attack and runs off because he doesn't want to leave the planet anymore. So they, they don't beam him back. The doctor says, dead Harry and TP, they didn't die after all, because the encounter suit's backup systems kept them alive. Huh? <laughs> it, it's a real fucking poser for sure. Okay! <laughs> Why not? Uh, when that seal was breached, they had 30 seconds of oxygen <laughs> left, and worry. they passed out 15 feet from where it happened. But the then the suit systems. didn't keep them alive for <laughs> up to 15 days. It's very hard to tell how much time has passed. Okay, I mean, that's a thing that happened. Um, it's just weird how much better they are than the regular systems, that's all. Yeah, they should probably switch those. They should switch those around if they can. Um, They can't lift off because, again, the Pool 8 Voyager up like a snack. So they try to shoot it with a Nadion pulse mm -hmm. to make it, I don't know, less viscous maybe? I wasn't sure what the point <laughs> was. Um, But that panics fake TP and fake Harry. Fake Harry calls them to say the planet and him are being hurt. And then he beams back and he says he and the planet are connected and they need Voyager. Janeway shoots him some more to get Harry and the goo to back down. And then Harry says the silver blood. That's what it's called now. 
has always been living but never conscious until it ate up TP and Harry. And now it has thoughts, but it knows that its thoughts are dumb because it's <laughs> TP and Harry. So it wants other beings to get other thoughts. It wants to duplicate the whole crew, it seems. Um, Janeway says she can give him samples of DNA if her crew is willing so that they can make a bunch more clones to live on this demon planet, but only if they release Voyager. I guess they agree. We jump to some time later when the Voyager lifts off and there's like a whole replicated crew just hanging out on the surface of this demon planet, just chilling. Did Voyager get the deuterium? I don't know. <laughs> That's the episode. What was this episode about? <laughs> I mean, before I tell you what it's about, did you make a conscious decision this week to refer to the ship as the Voyager every time? <laughs> I, I listened to, I told you I listened to one, one or two episodes of um, the Delta Flyers. Garrett Wang's. Oh, is that the name of that pod? Podcast. Garrett Wang and uh, Robert Duncan McNeil's podcast. I don't know. Now it seems like it's intentional that you won't pronounce his name Wong. <laughs> well, it's uh, only force of habit. I knew forever it was pronounced Wong, but still, just call him Garrett Wang. Um, and they were talking about how there's one scene in the pilot, I think, where Tom Paris calls it the Voyager, and how it's the only time anyone in Voyager ever called it that. And it totally stood out to them when they were watching it. And since then, I have only been calling it the Voyager. <laughs> cool. Hey, this one uh, was not great, but what was it about? I mean, so the answer is not much of anything, really. I think that there is, there's maybe a Maslow's hierarchy of needs argument about how maybe you can't, maybe a place is beautiful, but you'll never know unless it's also safe first. Okay. Like, safety before beauty before appreciation and that's entirely from one scene where they're fucking walking around on there and harry kim's like hey this place is fucking great huh i just assumed it was because he got brainwashed this is a fucking this is a fucking dumpster fire (laughs) and chakotay's like that hey aren't we supposed to be looking for something more deuterium i don't remember what it is are we do we know about the replicants yet are we looking for our bodies what are we looking for hey man i just never noticed it was how great it was down here (laughs) in the 20 seconds i was here before i lost consciousness Boy, I'd love to think that's what the episode was about. Listen, I could not think of anything else. And uh, as you can imagine, mm. a take that meaningless and that, like, who, to, to whom does that apply? Like, yeah, what do I do hey, with maybe, you, maybe you hate your life right now, but if I bet if things were great, I bet if things were going great for you. You would really be able to appreciate some some stuff <laughs> that you just can't see. Right, like that's right. Who cares? It's a it's a one. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, um, I also gave it a one, um, and I also found a shit garbage take that's nothing. That okay. uh, life exists to survive and procreate. Well, these silver bloods don't know much, but they know they have to live, and that's nothing. That's a one. It's just not about anything. It was really like, hey, how many weeks in a row are we on this on Voyager? Are they going to make any more episodes? Because it seems like they stopped <laughs> making episodes a long time ago. These are just like uh, half-baked ideas. We're like, what if what if like a fucking thing duplicates the crew? Yeah, let's just write it. They got one. No. 
<laughs> we should probably just check take uh, scores only and just see if there's ever uh, anything. They got one called Timeless coming up. That's got to oh. be about time travel. Well, that's not going to be. Uh, nothing human. Maybe there's something going on there. Maybe we'll get to reflect on life in some way. Visa Bride v. of Chaotica, I oh, expect God. we'll have a strong take. Oh, and, uh, you know, Course Colon Oblivion, that's the sequel to this episode. So The last time that they got a take score of six or greater from either of us was week 83 with the episode Prey. You gave it a five and I gave it a six for whatever our takes were on that. Um, <clears throat> execution. The, yeah, um, give it to me. It's not about anything, so I can't really address how it did. Uh, the choking to death thing in the beginning is kind of scary, but you never think they're going to kill two main characters. No, even if it was possible that they were like, that's a series wrap on Tom Paris. Yeah. They ain't taking Harry Kim out at the same time. It'd be wild if they killed We're not going to have a Reno 911 <laughs> style season five where it's a couple of new guys and there's a brief funeral at the beginning. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, what's the scenario that would happen there? They got the fucking scenes that they they got their lines and it was all about how fat they'd become. And they went, we're quitting <laughs> the show. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> they did think that was way out of bounds, by the way. <laughs> yep. Um. Anyway, then they keep going to the stuff with Neelix and Schmollis. I didn't and talk Bra- about Brandon Braga. By the way, to prove that he was a good guy, said that if they kept going the way they were going, they were going to have to call it Pigs in Space instead. Yeah, he's uh, he's a real. You could tell that he inspired confidence and a lot of affection yeah. from everybody. It was around a great him. working environment on the Voyager set. And they keep going back to. I didn't talk about it, but the Neelix stuff just keeps going. It just goes on and on and on with Neelix and Schmullis fighting over, like, whether it's quiet enough in Sick Bay or, like, bothering each other or whatever. Um, so, you know, for sure, this is not an episode where people beef it. You never believe the two good boys will need to be left behind when that comes up either. So, it's a lot of false drama. And then the encounter suits turned out to be magic anyway, so those early scenes are even dumber. Like, don't show me the scenes where they choke to death if you're going to come back later and go, the encounter suits are magic. It doesn't matter. Yeah, if you don't believe the stakes, the show really does become a lot of waiting to be told mm-hmm. why, why, how it was all fixed. It better be a cool instead idea. Of, instead of even, like, really trying to think about it. You just you could just wait to be told. Yeah. And that's the difference between making an episode like this that's about nothing and like an episode about the human condition where you would go on a journey with characters and like, you know, go through some thought processes and deal with emotions and things. Do some science fiction work. Yeah, this one is nothing. This is just waiting to be told the technobabble solution or whatever's going to happen. Uh, and again, the big problem is a technobabble, so it's not an episode about anything. And the ticking clock is that lack of deuterium, right? That I mean, they can't keep the yep. life support going. But in the end, they just fly away and like, I don't know if they got enough deuterium. Next <laughs> week, are they going to say they need deuterium? I don't know. I mean, listen, the amount of deuterium we know for sure they got was 20 kilograms. <laughs> and it frankly doesn't seem like that can possibly be enough. And I missed that. You told me off air that they said that that's how much they got. But like... yeah. They never talk about it again. And by the way, it's possible that the writers did consider it solved at that point. (laughs) Because Chakotay does say, that's enough to get ship's main systems back online. (laughs) Um, Which is, like, probably true temporarily. Yeah, you said it, they're going to... They're going to f- do fusion with that deuterium, so, tw- you know, 20 kilograms is not an insignificant amount of energy, but, like, yeah, it's a big ship. Um, anyway, look, 
I wrote here at the end I could see a zero, honestly, but I gave it a one. Uh, I just don't know where. I, mean, I don't I know what was good about it. Is what I guess what I'm saying. It's not not fair. Um, this episode makes less and less sense the more you think about it. <laughs> As you start, let's start with that. Do they ever get the deuterium? If so, it's off screen. <laughs> also off screen, Janeway convinces convinces a bunch <laughs> of people who come from a culture that is rapidly anti cloning. Yeah, this period in space future, it is not friendly to clones and cloners. Uh. Riker and Pulaski didn't even have to fucking talk about it. Yeah. They just went down there blasting. Did Pulaski even give him a nod, or did he just fucking take the initiative on that? I think he just walked over and, put, and uh, you know, checked out the goods and then murdered her clone, too. Yeah. Definitely uh, checked out that bush, for sure. For sure. Uh, he wanted to see if they'd cloned it, you know, white, like he figures hers probably is, because he didn't know at that point he could just ask his dad. <laughs> or, uh, or, you know, if it's like from a younger version. Uh, anyway, she convinced people from this culture to just give up their DNA, knowing that it would be used to create identical smog breathers with all their memories and everything mm-hmm. who could, you know, definitely could replace them for sure. pod people them. Yep. They better get off that fucking planet fast. <laughs> they gotta get out of there real quick. So, but yeah, whatever, whatever that great speech must have been, yeah, she gave that we didn't see any of that. Screen. Didn't see any of that at all. Um, you know, you remember wh- several weeks ago at the end of that stupid World War II holodeck double episode where it just cuts to sometime later and she's making a deal with that other Herogen? Yeah. It's like, yeah. hey, this stuff's pretty important. Why is it all happening off screen? Meanwhile, you show me all this shit with Neelix. Yeah, this, which is the C plot of this episode for sure. Ugh. Uh, why is Voyager suddenly out of fuel? Yeah. This is, we're uh, d- deep into the fourth season. Yeah, but they're not planning Voyager. ahead. Like, what happened? Why, why? They f- fucking have never run out of deuterium before. Ugh. So why are they out of it now? How come when they were doing a big trade deal with the What's Their Nuts last week? In, I mean, granted, we didn't see them, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. In Living Witness. Yep. Uh, how come they didn't mention, Anna, we really needed deuterium at that moment Do you in have time. deuterium or a cool substitute? Yeah, or any other fuel we could burn. Uh, how did those environmental suits keep the real Tom Paris and Harry Kim alive? I couldn't believe that was the the answer to how those guys were going to live. That the, they just, you know, the suits just kept them alive. It's fine. To- uh, forget the toxic gases. How do their uniforms and skin and hair and eyeballs survive 440 degree heat? Yeah. Yeah. How did the silver blood develop sentience just from briefly gulping harry cam <laughs> and then what did that sentence look like was it just harry kim's sentence because then it shouldn't want well, to do any of this stuff there were like there were a few seconds there before it got into tom paris where all it could do was play the clarinet <laughs> and janeway was its mom but it didn't have a clarinet it must have been so aggravating no clarinet at all <laughs> it was very frustrating um the whole thing wraps up absurdly quickly yeah uh, Janeway's negotiation in the transporter room with Silver Kim is like the dumb version of Picard's already dumb negotiation with the glowing crystals and home soil. Yeah. And the entire Neelix and Shmola sea story is dumb and bad. Neelix is a baby who won't go to the shelter and he gathers a group of malcontents to 
storm into sick bay. Like everyone comes out of that one looking bad. You know what? It is a one. Uh, I had a higher <laughs> score initially, but one is correct for this I one. Just, I realized I didn't write one good or enjoyable thing. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I well, I thought about it too. I was like, was there any general enjoyment? When I watched it, was I like, this isn't so bad? No, that's not how I felt. I felt this is pretty bad. <laughs> world building. Uh, world building's a one. Yeah. Um. Again, Voyager is dangerously low on fuel this week. Why? Yep. How can the environment suits run out of oxygen 30 seconds after a microscopic seepage, but also keep the two bodies alive without oxygen for potentially days? Yeah. 20 kilograms of deuterium. I didn't look it up, but I imagine, I I think that's about 60 gallons worth. Okay. Is enough to restore main systems. Deuterium, by the way, is a totally stupid fuel for starships to burn. Uh, basically, all of it that has ever existed was made during one 10-minute window right after the Big Bang. And it's like 15 parts per million hydrogen atoms in space. So, I know they probably just, they must have to just make it out of regular hydrogen. But why couldn't they? But like... How did they go this far yeah. needing so much deuterium but not know how to just make it or whatever? This can't be the fuel that all the spacefaring species power their ships with is what I'm saying. It is... There's not much of it. Right. And it doesn't get made inside stars because the temperature to fuse deuterium is higher than the temperature at which it fuses into helium. So if any ever gets made accidentally, it just becomes helium right away. Okay. So it's a dumb fuel. Um... We do see some evacuation procedures. Okay. But like I said, either Tuvok is an asshole or the procedures don't make sense. Yeah. They're like, there's no living space. You can't take that pillow. <laughs> what? Yeah, because you guys... Just leave it on the bed. You Who cares? We didn't tell you, but you guys are just going to be laying, like, you're going to be sitting back to back well, with other people. They're going to have bedding. It's going to be a Starfleet issue bedding, but it's like, hey, Tuvok, it doesn't matter if he takes his mom's fucking blanket. Oh. That's the problem with putting t- fucking two fork in charge of anything. All the guy knows He's, how to do is uh, well, run laps. That's for it. sure, everyone's lucky that they weren't running laps. Absolutely. Uh, so all the world building this week was dumb. I gave it a one. <laughs> we are in agreement again. I gave it a one. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, Voyager. Come on, man. What are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The demon class planet. Do you remember when we were like, oh, we're going to have to watch Enterprise? Yes. Oh, God, we're going to have to watch all the Enterprise. And we were immediately surprised by DS9 eating shit in season one. And we were like, oh, wait a minute. What's this? Oh, hang on. We thought Enterprise would be the bad one. And we're like, later on, it didn't switch to Enterprise. It switched to Voyager. And it's just been them ever since. Not that yeah. Enterprise is good, please. It is not good. But good uh, lord. It is for sure. For sure, it's not good. However, its average is, yeah. boy, it's getting real close to four points yep. ahead of Voyager. Not only that, but it's it's less than two points behind what TOS's average was. Yeah. So, woof. Look, man, I don't know what to say. Demon-class planets, the astrometrics lab is better for scanning for deuterium, according to Seven. I think it's because she usually gets to be alone and run the show in there. Um... I guess there's no standard procedures. We never see anybody like wearing their encounter suits when they're flying shuttles down to one of these planets. Wouldn't boy, wouldn't you think they should? But then at the same time, like they must be confident those shuttles aren't going to breach or else they'd wear them when they were in space too. Yeah. So, I mean, like they would just have to wear them all the time in there and we never see that. So they must be like crazy confident in these shuttles. Well, there's, it's different, two different classes of problems, right? Because like, if all the if there's a slow leakage of atmosphere, mm-hmm. you have time it, to get in your suit. Le- you don't get poisoned by that, yeah. right? So, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um. 
Boy. The doctor didn't appear to have anything to work on, like he was just doing busy work. But despite their crazy power issues, he just keeps running. And like... Oh, his power is holographic. You knew that, right? His power is holographic? What it's does just like it the ho- mean? how the holodeck never runs out of power. And I don't know why they didn't put everyone in the holodeck. That's right. You could have to put them in a resort if they power is fucking endless. Yeah. P- bring up uh, bring up Neelix's b- man bikini resort and then send everyone there. So dumb. Uh, the goo on the planet had deuterium in it, but it also had a silver blood in it that wanted to replicate sentient life. Um well, and by the way, this is the thing. Is that what they took on board? That's what I was at. Did they refine deuterium out of that, or did they just take raw silver blood yes. up there? Yes, can the deuterium be separated from the silver blood, or is it just all just all going in the fucking tubes? <laughs> just coursing through Voyager. <laughs> just fucking, every time it goes through a valve, it clones the valve. <laughs> the shit just has to get pulled out of the lines and thrown into deep space. Uh, Nadion pulses do something to goo monsters. I like I said earlier, I couldn't tell what. Maybe make some less sticky or viscous or something. They fucking hated it. They were not feeding on the rays. No. And now there's that duplicate crew out there just living that monster life on that planet. So, yeah, one. It's a one. It's either Alien of the Week or just a bunch of very bad stuff about how the universe works. Characters. Well, you know I have to know what they scored for characterization. Really? We can't just leave her with question marks? <laughs> <laughs> Might be okay. Ah, Seven says efficiency is relative. I don't know what she means. She is unnerved by the demon planet. Neelix is not being a team player about this crisis, but to be fair, Tuvork isn't the person you want deciding what is essential and what isn't. He'll just meditate for 72 straight hours. But I need Skyrim. <laughs> so I'm bringing my switch. my switch it's coming with me Tuvok and I'm bringing the power cord and I know we're out of power but when this thing runs out in two hours because apparently Skyrim is a fucking battery eater I'm gonna need to plug in and use that deuterium um Belana has developed a grudging respect for Seven maybe also at least two people insinuate that she can't keep her cool this week <laughs> yeah well you know it's her Cleon blood mm-hmm the doctor sucks too hey people we have a damn crisis on our hands can anybody in this episode be cool um vorek's been hanging out with tp which can't be good boy there's not much here either i give it a two (sighs) harry kim got his groove back will it be the case next week as well Frankly, I liked it better. So I didn't I even so, put that note I, down because he died so fast. I just went, nah, he's probably not going to be in this episode. <laughs> well, and for sure, when it started, I was like, this is uh, not the real Harry Kim. Yeah. This is, this is our, we're starting in media res again. This is already a silver blood clone or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, I guess it wasn't. That and That was uh, just in there. I don't know, man. Maybe, uh, maybe Garrett sp- spoke up about it. And he was like, hey. I've had zero character growth on this show in four years now. I should be different than I am. All the stuff his character says in this episode is true about all the shit he's been through. I don't necessarily know why it would lead to a more confident Harry Kim. I think it would lead to an emotionally shattered Harry Kim, but who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, apparently we've got, uh, now he's fake it till you make it, Harry Kim. That's right. He faked it fucking face down in that sand. (laughs) He faked it right to his own death. (laughs) Um... And uh, Tom Paris seems a little defensive about the new Harry Kim. Like, uh, 
he enjoyed bullying him mm-hmm. and being the weird patronizing older brother in the relationship, and he's not sure about this now. No, if he can't be. Because he's kind of a big baby. If he can't be the cool one with all the fucking bravado, then what's the point of even being friends with Harry Kim? He'll just be friends with fucking Vorik. <sighs> Do you think Vorik could put up with his shit? I mean, Vorik sucks pretty bad, so maybe. I mean, they had that fight over Bolana not that long ago. You know what dudes are like. I bet they broke down hard after that. Yes, I do know. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, uh, you know, dudes. Uh, Blana suggests taking seven of nine out on the rescue mission, and it's she says because she's so good at keeping cool, which on the page and maybe was intended to be an insult, but she doesn't deliver it like an insult. No, she's kind of begrudging. Like I think I don't like her, but maybe this is who you want on this mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that nothing comes of it. No, I mean, like that's a character moment and seven doesn't do anything on the mission. She kind of just nopes out like no Borg nanoprobes don't fix the situation. (laughs) So she's useless. She just goes down there and says the planet sucks and it's ugly. And it's like, that's nothing. (laughs) Oh, is it because she's a little nervous about being down there? Yeah, that's not anything. Yeah. Well, like. Unlike all of the racists in this show, we're not like, a fucking Borg is nervous and afraid, because I'm constantly like, yeah, she's nine years old, so probably is pretty spooky down there. I am pretty surprised they didn't make a bigger deal of her fear, for sure. I thought for sure they'd be like, what are you talking about? You're Borg! It's just, it's set up like it's going to be a character thing, and then just, no, just nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vork and Balana seem to be in a pretty good place after all the wild shit he pulled, so. Yeah. That's that's nice, I guess. That's one of the many situations hold a grudge. in Star Trek where you could not ever go back there. You could not go back to work. You'd be like, You're, "Oh yeah, you no, got to leave me for, on this planet where we found that Borg drone because I'm never going back to Voyager ever." For sure, Vork would be the new night shift nurse or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they need him to stay on the ship, but he's gonna have to do something. He's gonna have to do something, or he won't run into anybody. Uh, Neelix and Schmulla spend this week competing for the title of ship's jock itch. Mm-hmm. So that sucks. Janeway, who wouldn't give away a library of stories or whatever, somehow thinks it's cool to clone the whole crew. <laughs> She's clearly in a different place now. No, she really is, right? Like, hey, did she... All these people had everyone's memories to the point where they didn't even, like, do little give-ems give away. Mm-hmm. No, no one called her Catherine that shouldn't have or anything. No. No one had, there never had to be a mutiny meeting. Uh, she she knows if these people get cloned that they're going to know everything that every Starfleet officer knows, right? Yeah, I hope she knows like, it. She knows that her clone's going to know about the Omega Protocol, right? Oh boy, yeah, that's right. That does seem kind of dangerous. This seems like... I don't know, man. Maybe she didn't get cloned. Maybe she convinced everyone else. But she said, she, my knowledge is too important. She had fucking 100% of the leverage in that negotiation. Yeah. Once Harry Kim was like, stop it. You're killing us all. We need you. Oh, Please she went stop Jack it. Bauer on him. She's just like, shoot him again. And she fucking 100% caved and gave him every single thing they wanted. So yeah. real good negotiating there. Uh, like you, I gave it a two this week. Well, great job, Voyager. Really, just good work. What about hey? Qu- you you want to score more points? Don't set up character arcs and then don't and then not pay them off. Yeah, I agree. 
this episode was like if you had a checklist of all the characters, right? And you just went yeah. through the episode trying to figure out if the episode was going to be about them, and you check everyone off, and at the end you go, wait a minute. Just, wait, oh, sorry. Oh, shit. I don't think this was about anybody. <laughs> oh, shit. I had written Lieutenant Carey on here, but he is dead. <laughs> he is dead. He's dead. They're all dead, dude. All of them. Fucking Bobo Scott Thompson, all of them. They're all gone. Oh, man, I eliminated everybody, but I accidentally still had Seska on the list. <laughs> is it about her, maybe? Is she still? No. Okay. Well, it's about no one, I well, guess. Well, I'm not, I'm not pressing the undo button, so. Yeah. Uh, quick ones. <sighs> well, once again, everyone's out of hydrogen. <laughs> it's hard to find it's hydrogen. Weird that this is the first time it's happened to this ship. Yeah. I can't believe that Chakotay looks at that thing and turns to Seven and says it's demon class, rather than saying class Y. Like, I get that I get that he's a little superstitious. He's got a magical spirit guide tricorder and everything. The dream machine. But uh Like, that's the actual nomenclature? This comes up so often that everyone's gotta talk about demon class planets and they can't just go class Y? Oh yeah, you don't want to go there. Yeah, I mean I didn't remember anybody calling them demon class planets before this, but apparently that's the cool thing to say. Yeah. Uh I guess uh Tom Paris hates Tuvok too, huh? <laughs> yes. Uh I'd like to believe that Harry Kim just woke up the other day and decided to change, but I'm worried because that's not permitted on TV. No, 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 no. Uh, snappy new Harry Kim should have told Tom Paris that uh, barbecue was low and slow, not 440 degrees Fahrenheit. And he said they were going to be human barbecue. <laughs> that would have been you good if he corrected about him. that. Yeah. The environmental suits, Chicote is sure couldn't survive the elements. I mean, it turns out they did, so he was wrong about that. Yep. But those leatherette chairs in the open shuttle could. They know they just opened the door. They find their shuttle is just fucking sitting open. Yep. But everything Dude, inside. Shit didn't even melt. Yeah, hey, I think maybe um that planet wasn't dangerous. Uh I I think, I think that there's another version of this story where it's just they didn't scan when they got down there right. And when uh Tom Paris is like, take off your fucking helmet. He would have been fine. <laughs> uh, they turned out they would have been fine. Yeah. Uh it is impossible that no one was ever assimilated who knew about footprints. Boy. But as usual, what Seven remembers and what she doesn't is a minefield that's not worth nope. crossing. No, it's like why Data sometimes knows everything and sometimes he doesn't know basic things. He says to her, you must not have assimilated any Indian scouts. Cool. And also, this is following footprints is yeah. the, the most basic aspect of scouting. It's fucking wild that every single species they encountered didn't have that one. I I agree. Why is Neelix, who has been an asshole this whole episode, suddenly so conciliatory when there's a medical emergency? Is it because he's realized for a while that he's been in the wrong and he didn't know how to get out of it? This is his way out without (laughs) having to admit it. That could be. I, the whole time after that happened, after he's like, all right, guys, it's time to get moving. There's a medical emergency. I thought they were going to circle back around and have like a nice, like, scene about it like a reunion like a reunion between those two characters where they talk about what a hard day it was or something but they don't they don't no no no, no. end of show they don't come back to it end of arc so this is not the only episode this week where one of the story arcs wraps up so early that you're like huh guess that's it huh (laughs) 
didn't really commit to that one. No. Uh, Janeway, again, fully has the upper hand, gives away everyone's DNA, and the show is too cowardly to even show us the discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Bolana said yes to this. Again, I can't believe the whole crew said yes to this. There must just be, like, enough people that you could have a cool party know, like, on that planet. The ship ain't that big, and there were a lot of little Babylon 5 guys down <laughs> there. There were a lot of CGI weirdos hanging out down there in uniform. It cloned their uniforms. They did it for Harry Kim and Tom Paris, too. I know. I just it's, it's, It does the whole deal. But when they got back to sickbay, the doctor wasn't like, huh, these, um, these aren't their uniforms. This is, uh, skin? Yeah, some kind of, uh, gross, weird skin? It just looks like a uniform. It's like, it's like in a video game. It's just painted onto them. Yeah. It's just a, this is just a texture. How odd. I gave best actor to Tuvok's passive aggressive damage report. <laughs> and I gave worst actor to Kim and Paris's, uh, bicycle manzai. <laughs> the little double act that they do about his fucking the exercise bike that powers the ship was over and over good. again. He made the same exercise bike joke twice in like the first yeah. five minutes and it's like, hey, buddy, it wasn't that funny. You don't need to hit it again. And then fucking Garrett Wang gets in on it. Ugh. Yeah, if you want to make anybody laugh during the Batsu game, you're going to have to stutter and say the words wrong during it. <laughs> like a real, the joke itself isn't going to do like it. Like a real fool. <laughs> Like when they beg him not to do that. <laughs> he gets so mad. They go, don't do it like that. Uh, they they always feel like it's extremely unfair if they laugh because A, one of the performers laughs, mm-hmm. or B, says just says their lines wrong. Yep. Or anytime, oh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Yamasaki or whatever. So is Yamasaki who always acts too much? He'll act really sorry or sad, and then they'll start to laugh, and they'll be like, why are you, don't put that much into it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely him. Yeah, um, he's definitely the guy who, uh, yes, ands. Yes, that would be. I think that would be Kwang Su out there. Maybe Ha Ha too. Yeah. Oh, Ha Ha, Ha Ha feels right. Yeah. For uh, for Jose. Uh, was that it for uh, quick ones? Then I have. That's all the ones I have. Yeah, I just have short. Um, I I think it's nice that Garrett Wong and. RDM, our buddies in real life, they had a lot of scenes together, and I guess it rubbed off on their real relationship because they're still buddies to this day, and that's it. I just thought it was nice. It is nice. Mm -hmm. That's it, man. What a bad episode. God. It was bad, and it scored badly. So I think we gave it five each, but I'll do the math at the end of the episode. Third place last Uh, week. Yeah, third place last week was TNG. This week we watched Identity Crisis. Okay, uh, we start off watching an old recording from Stardate 40164 of an away mission led by then Lieutenant Susanna Lighton and uh, including uh, baby Jordy LaForge. Yeah, little guy. And we pretty quickly see that now Lieutenant Commander Lighton is conducting a briefing uh, on Enterprise. And it turns out that three of the members of this away team that we've been watching have suddenly deserted Starfleet, like mm-hmm. stolen shuttles and just left. Had families and shit. Um, and since all the people who've deserted were on this mission on the planet Tarkanon five years ago, uh, investigating another group of sudden disappearances, I think just from the people on the planet, 
that time, but yeah. like, you know, people disappeared and then the away team disappeared. Eh, pretty much everyone's sure there's a connection. By the way, I was very glad they did that legwork before the episode started for us. Yeah, I didn't want to figure that out. Go through those initial steps. Yeah. Uh, from the away team that we just watched, only uh, Susanna Lighton and Jordy are left. So we see them catch up in 10 forward. She refers to him as her little brother. But um, this banter that they're doing dries up pretty quickly because it seems like they're pretty spooked by the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They get called to the bridge because they find um, the missing shuttle with uh, whoever the third one was, Bravel, maybe. Sure. Uh, In the Tarkanon system, as expected. No, it's Hickman. Uh, he won't respond. He's on a course that's going to destroy the shuttle in the atmosphere. Like it's just flying straight at the planet. Yeah. Picard hails him. And just like, um, in that scene when, uh, Wesley's buddy steals a shuttle, <laughs> he tries to give him specific instructions for how to pilot the shuttle into the atmosphere. But, uh, there's just no response and the shuttle burns up. No, I'd also, I also wrote down that it really looked like Picard was confident. He was, he had this one. He's yeah, like, he knows all about uh, skipping a fucking shuttle off the atmosphere. I've done this before. Everybody stand out of the way. I got, I got this. I think that kid's name was Jake. Could have been. Maybe it was Jack. I don't know. One or, one or the other. Hard maybe. to say. Enterprise detects two more shuttles on the surface, uh, and Riker goes down with an away team. He takes Light and Wharf Data and Jordy. Uh, Jordy and Light and start exploring the area around Mendez's shuttle. And she goes off following three-toed footprints and uh, rubbing her neck mm. like something's happening to her. Yeah. Worf gets real paranoid that they're all being watched. Um, everyone regroups, but Susanna's missing. And uh, when Jordy finds her, she's uh, she insists that both Mendez and Bravel are alive and nearby and she can feel their presence. And she starts to freak out and Jordy has them both beamed up. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yo. Hell yeah, bro. Grip it and rip it. <laughs> it was time. I needed another. Uh, she wakes up in sick bay. Crusher tells her she had a histamine response and her blood chemistry is way off. She wants to get back to work, but she gets real shaky in a corridor on the way to check in with Data. She's convinced that the thing, whatever's happened to them, has started happening to her. Makes sense. They find... Uh, alien skin cells down on the planet and the footprints don't match any known life on the planet it's getting real getting real spoopy and oopy yeah it's uh, unsolved mysteries or something yeah uh jordy and Susanna think the best bet is to go look at the old mission tapes again while crusher and data start taking a medical approach crusher thinks data's worried about jordy <laughs> um you know his buddy data does look at her like she's kind of dumb <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Susanna keeps trying to get back down to the planet. Plus, she's got hella eye strain. Anyway, she collapses and her neck is covered in blue veins and her hand's suddenly a fin. Yeah, she got one of them weird fucking webbed webbed hands. Yeah. She really I it is pretty much the same makeup from uh, First Contact. Oh, God, yeah. They did have those, didn't they? They wore gloves a lot. She should have worn gloves. She should have put some gloves on. She should have said, I'm sorry, this is impolite, and put on her gloves, because her hands were very rude. Yeah. Uh, We all go to sickbay. Crusher has her under a cool blue light that really makes those new veins and her snake eye contacts pop. (laughs) I didn't really understand that. 
They said she had uh, light the sensitivity. lights to make her comfortable. But yeah, it was she like, had light sensitivity. It was very clearly blue light because when uh, Jordy reached under there, you could tell it was all over him too. And it was like, I guess that's specifically what she needs. But yes, it is making her whole shit go fucking crazy under the lights. There's a blue light in the uh, headliner of Katie's Prius. Okay. Just a small one that just lights up the gear shift so you can always see it. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's probably just a Prius light. She's the the gear shift in this scenario. Yes. Crusher thinks that all of the people who've disappeared have been transforming into a new species. Uh, it doesn't seem like whatever's causing it is contagious, but obviously they all expect that Jordy's going to be next, and Crusher wants him to stay in sick bay, but... He convinces Picard to let him keep working. This is Picard's fucking M.O., by the way, is just to let people have some dignity at the expense of, you know, wisdom. Yeah, common sense. Yeah. Um, he Jordy says he's going to program the ship's computer to track his movements, but I don't think he does. I don't see him do it, and it doesn't do it. Yeah. <sighs> just a, a script artifact or something. He starts obsessively watching the logs again. Data thinks he should knock it off and take a break, but he knows he's on the clock. Susanna is uh, developing, like, chameleon-like skin responses. Crusher's treatment isn't working. It gives her some kind of idea about how to fix it, though, maybe. The fact that her other thing didn't work, and so she and Ogawa get down to work Mm -hmm. on that. Jordy notices a weird artifact in one of the shadows that in high definition, watching it several times, I could not see. Me neither. I wrote I wrote a lot about this. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he was seeing, if his visor a, showed yes. him some shit that I couldn't see or what. But then... But it was like, I kept expecting there to be like a little weird sh- head yes. shadow in the background. And it was just like, just part of that woman's shoulder looked wrong to him. Yeah. But I, no matter how many times they replayed it, I could not tell. I mean, I guess we should just talk about it. Let's see uh, where I have it here. Um... Okay, I kept looking at the shadows every time they showed the clip, including in the teaser, just over every time they show all these tapes, I'm looking at the shadows because I know that's how he ends up cracking the case. And I never saw the new shadow. Even when he pointed it out, I just thought it was her hair or shoulder. Yeah, like legit until he had the computer enhance it. Yes, when he makes them two different colors, then you can tell there's two. But otherwise you wouldn't. So maybe his visor already did that. But then why would he ask the computer to do that if he didn't need it to? Yeah, I don't know. Like his visor showed him something, but maybe the computer can do some actual work on the image. I guess it was uh, the whole time I was like, what the fuck's happening? I could have sworn that finally now in 2020, I would see that shadow, but I did not. Me too. Yeah. This has been remastered. They could have put a fucking weird (laughs) alien head on there if they'd wanted (laughs) to. Just popping up behind her going, hey. Hey, bud. How's it going? Hey, man, where are you going? Hey, I, uh, I'm going to bioform hey, you. It's, it's me, one of the colonists you were looking for. Yes, yes, bioform, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, as usual, he throws the whole thing over to the holodeck. Mm-hmm. That's his move. It's never backfired on him in any way. And so... By the way, how come he didn't take his diagnostic tool with him? How come there's no Leo Brahms in there? He should have had Leo Brahms show up in there. Then, like, Ben's dream could have come true, and there could have been just, like, recurring Leo Brahms stuff on the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he gets to the holodeck and notices his hand shaking, but because it's fucking Star Trek, he doesn't go to sickbay. He, he's got to get this fucking job done. 
He runs the simulation a few times, and that requires a bunch of actors to attempt to stand still under really bright <laughs> lights. Uh, then he removes everyone but his weird... Oh, and walk backwards, too. Then he removes everyone but his weird shadow pal. He does some back-of-the-envelope math that the little guy was about 1.7 meters tall. The computer makes a weird blob man show up, and at this point his uh, condition causes him to really freak out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Look, it ain't great no. when that thing appears in there. It's creepy. It ain't great for sure. It's creepy. I have written down poor fucking Riker and Worf and whoever have to walk in on yeah. that horrifying fucking nightmare Look that, scene. Look at that fucking early 90s CGI made of five spheres <laughs> morphing in and out of each other blob and go, oh, Just kind of hunched over going. <laughs> it was like fucking Armis and you know Riker doesn't yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, everyone on the ship's been having Armus nightmares for three solid years, so it ain't great. No. Uh, Crusher, at this point, finds a parasite living in Susanna's neck (laughs) and determines that it is using her immune system to change her DNA. So they pull that out of there and then stop, and they just hope she's going to recover from that. Yeah. Uh, Crusher tries to get a hold of LaForge to... um, to get him to undergo the procedure and now they can't get in touch with him there hasn't been any transporter or shuttle activity they kind of work out that he's still in the holodeck uh and probably invisible um but then they go in there and i guess that lets him get out through the open door they don't really show it nope they find his uniform and his visor um and this is when we cut to transporter room six and a weird cgi effect knocks out the transporter operator and then jordy beams down yeah, still uh, apparently in his mind enough to be able to work the transporter. And he can, everything. he can, he can override a transporter lockout. But on the Enterprise, that's extremely easy. He wasn't as far gone as Hickman, who which couldn't control that shuttle anymore. Just flew like there's the- two. Like if you want to override a transporter lockout, there are two modals, and you have to push OK on both of them. <laughs> that's true. It's not you can't do it accidentally. You really have to confirm it. Uh-huh. But it's but it's also not hard. Much. Yeah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> They can't find him on the surface with their scanners. Time's running out. Data makes a UV flashlight, which really shouldn't take the amount of time it does, but that's okay. You could just fucking replicate one, but no. You would think so. Can't do it. Like, could just call up the fucking um, Paramount Imports. <laughs> just uh, say to the computer, hey, see this flashlight I'm holding? I want this, but with a different light in it. Make it do UV light. That's it. Make it. Yeah. Uh, Lighten has started to look a lot more human. She, uh, she tells Crusher, uh, first of all, you did an abortion and you're going to hell. Mm. And second of all, uh, I got to get down to that planet cause I'll be able to find Jordy. Yeah. So they go down. She says, everyone's right there near the shuttle and the buildings and everything. Cause they didn't build that much set. And sure enough, when they swing that light around, there's three vascular creeps playing around a tree. And then one of them's Jordy. They all recognize the him t- as Jordy, by the way, even though well, they all blew Well, because man. the other two are fully lizards, <laughs> and they fucking scamper off uh, in a real bad day rate for some, you know. I don't know who was in that suit. I'm going to say the guy who plays Darian Wallace, because sure. he was in this episode somewhere else, oh, and okay. probably Patricia Tallman. <laughs> and, um, she is all over the place. And uh, they fucking scamper out of there. And... Uh, uh jordy's still in mid transformation he's not full lizard yet and Susanna, uh she literally talks him down from a very small ledge 
it's true. He is up on a ledge that's about two feet high or whatever. Pressing himself against a rock two feet above the ground. Um, we come back up to sick bay where Jordy tells everyone that the Tarkanans that are down there aren't even fucking sentient. And Picard just has another warning beacon placed and everyone fucks off. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh, this a one about? Uh, life exists to survive and procreate. <laughs> like these silver bloods, they don't know much, but they know they have to Whoops. live. Oh, not the silver bloods. I meant the other guys, the blue men. I don't know, man. I thought very hard about it. I thought there must be something there about the bonds of friendship and family or something being power. I, I couldn't come up with anything. It's tough one, huh? So in the end, I mean, she does say that's how this planet, these how these dudes get by. They fucking bioform you. <laughs> she didn't use air quotes bioform, but I mean, that's what happened. Must be a long time before uh, people show up on these worlds, huh? So what are they mostly like? There's some big monkeys that they're turning into these things every once in a while? I or? guess. I don't know what the planet prefers other than dudes. Because you can't even track them on it'll, sensors. It'll for sure take humans if they come along, though. Yeah. Yeah, man, I couldn't come up with anything. I just... Just a one point... Nothing. I don't know. I mean, I tried. <laughs> I I wrote uh, something like, the bonds of friendship run deep, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so Jordy ends the whole show by explaining to Susanna that even though he didn't really know who she was anymore, he still trusted her. Sure. And in fact, all three of these veiny lizards were palling around down there, like they all knew each other and trusted each other. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some talk up at the top about why Susanna and Jordy are both single, and like maybe this thing about friendship being what really counts means we don't have to feel that bad for them. Sure. About their bad love lives. Yeah, I she don't was going to marry uh, what's his name, who was a real goon or whatever. Paul, somebody yeah. who. She then discovered that she didn't like him. Jordy's like, didn't uh, he do a rape? And then we're all just at home going, oh boy, this is getting weird. Oh man, why? Dark. Uh, not a strong take particularly. In fact, I'm going to knock it down another point to a three. Okay. <laughs> like, we all know friendships are pretty important, huh? <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> There's a, Again, it's one of those things where nobody's saying the opposite idea. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough one. What about execution, though? Execution. Uh, Number one, this is an episode where everything worked a lot better in standard definition. I think so, too. The scene where the shadow man appears in the holodeck was much creepier when you couldn't see the CG so well. Yeah, you couldn't couldn't tell that it was, you know, made up of six objects and it took 45 hours to render. Right. Uh, The vain aliens were a lot creepier when you couldn't see the wrinkles in their little brown body suits. You know, I was thinking about this and I I couldn't tell whether it was because I could see it better or because I was always just kind of creeped out as a kid about it. Yeah. I didn't know if it was just left over the other times I watched it. Like, oh, this used to be creepy when I was a kid. Or now, now that I'm just paying more attention, it's like, oh, this isn't very good. Um, it's a small story this week where all of this tension is around, you know, if this thing is going to happen to our friend, Jordy, mm-hmm. it's not about the fate of the ship or the Federation. No. Uh, and small shows usually work on TNG. 
there there is one real distracting handheld shot when Susanna first transforms that took me out of it, and the whole thing wraps up pretty quickly. But there, I didn't think there were too many major missteps. I do wish they had done something to differentiate the holodeck version of the planet set from the real thing. Yeah. Like maybe extend some grid lines outside of the projected area or whatever, but um Yeah, the holodeck apparently fucking crushed it as it always does. Yeah, the holodeck's like uh I can only I'm only gonna be able to do the stuff that's in the original video. And Jordy says, nah, they'll do and it Jordy better. Says, yeah. And it goes, exactly. All right. And then Jordy gets there and immediately he's like, put Ravel in. <laughs> Can I to get rid of everybody? <laughs> yeah, he's, all right now. He's really enhance. Oh my god, what's that? <laughs> he's really a harsh taskmaster. He's just fucking yeah, kind of putting the computer. Uh, I didn't think execution was the problem this week. I gave as many as six. Actually. Whoa. Okay. Um. Okay, this one took its time giving us creepy vibes. Like I liked that down on the planet. There are long scenes of people just roaming around in the dark with their flashlights and, (laughs) and one establishing shot that is way too long where you have to circle all the way around a fucking shuttle and then lock down for 15 seconds so that they can put the transporter effect in. That's what I was saying. Like they really took their time. They were like, no, we're going to spend a lot of time just walking with the creepiness or in this case, setting up CG. Um, I thought the guest actress actually did a good job. Which kind of mm-hmm. helped, because um, not everyone can play ailment slash nervous slash quirky slash whatever the hell she's supposed to be doing. Um, as always, when Jordy starts feeling ill, even knowing the horror show that awaits him, he still doesn't check himself into sick bay. <laughs> no one on this ship does. When she, when they, they're fifteen feet out of sick bay, she's convinced them Shaking. that she needs to get back to work, and when she starts. Like, her hands are badly shaking, and she's freaked out about it. And Jordy just fucking walks her off to do her job. Doesn't take her, turn around and take her right back to sick bay. Mm-hmm. Right. Like everyone apparently knows about everyone else on the ship that it's re- they, they won't be happy if they're just laying in that bed. The only way they'll get real comfort is by working. Yeah. Like a workaholics, man. Um, so anyway, that's getting annoying that no one in Starfleet ever goes to the doctor. <laughs> Especially on this ship. They must hate Crusher so much. Well, for sure they're going to get a lecture about something or a dirty look because they let a Romulan die. But, like, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. She's a good doctor. Seems like it. She can fix shit all the time. Um, I guess they just let those dozens of other people tough it out on that planet as blue men forever. Jordy said they're not sentient, and that's good enough for Picard. It's wild. I mean... Even though they could just round them up. Well, Susanna says it's too late for them, but she doesn't say why, and no one else does. <laughs> no, well, they're connected with the planet, so they know. It's... There's actually kind of kind of a few similarities to the episode Demon. <laughs> yes. Um. So I, I I didn't find it terrible to watch. It wasn't like Demon in that way. Um. But it does a lot of weird stuff, and it wasn't about anything. I didn't think, find it was very much made for our rubric. It was more like, here's a creepy jaunt into the outer space. Maybe some weird stuff will happen there. Um, I only gave it a four. But that's, we're not actually that far apart, though. Yeah. Oh, well, six I mean, in execution four, four is... And a, four and a six are not that different. Yes, but a six in execution is... Uh, well, it's rare enough. I, I shouldn't just go by the last three weeks. Look, there Star Trek does horror all the time. Yes. And it is super rare that anything is even a little bit creepy. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that, 
that little fucking dude showing up and you're like, he was there all the time. <laughs> he was there even then five years ago. He, no, was. He, was he was. And by the way, you'll never be able, don't ask Jordy how he found him. He can't explain it because I saw that shadow and there was nothing there. <laughs> no fucking shadow. Must be because he had the virus in him. He knew that guy was there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about world building? Uh, Tarchan and three members of an old mission where they keep fucking abandoning their duties and families and go, just going back to that place. I guess 49 people originally disappeared. And now the people who investigated that are disappearing. It turns out they get bioformed by the planet and turned into creepy blue men or invisible men or whatever. Uh, dang old alien virus. Even when they're totally transparent weirdos, they can still use the transporter and shit. Um, then I guess they're too far gone at, at some point to save. <laughs> they're too far gone. Uh, I liked the continuity with the old uniforms and the old logs. They brought back mm-hmm. the old season one unis or whatever. Well, I think they still have those for uh, nobodies, right? There's still some nobodies that run around in those uniforms in season four. I, I think I, it's I, season five when there aren't any left. Yeah, I couldn't remember, but um, but they did use them. Um, back yeah, and they didn't do what they fucking always do on this show, where you're like, why didn't they wear the undershirt anymore? How come they don't have the belt? That's right. Don't show me these this half version of like what happened with the movie uniforms was they were too complicated and everyone slowly rebelled by not wearing the undershirt <laughs> until they were like, fine, jumpsuits it is. That's right. Uh, it's all one piece now. You don't have to tuck nothing into nothing. Uh, back to the holodeck for some more cool recreation. 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 Those words are too close. And investigating. I always like when he, when Jordy or anybody else does that. Like, you know. Schisms. Schisms, schisms is the big one. Yeah. Uh, more lightning fast metamorphosis. Like, if you think at the pace that these people are physically changing and it doesn't just outright kill them is always kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's not nearly as crazy as the augment virus we saw last week. Yeah, where they saw the guy's head bubble up and down and fucking swirl all over the place. Like a fucking bubbly pizza crust. But she just looks up and like one second ago her hand was regular and then now she's got a web hand yeah, and you go, it was huh? too. It was way too quick. <laughs> what? Huh? Huh? Um... So I, it's a lot of the mystery of the week stuff. Um, I have it as a two, but I could see a one. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. You have it as a two, but you could see a one. The, uh, w- yeah, world building is the, is the weakness of this show this week for me. Yeah. Uh, a, they don't just have a UV light they can take on a mission. <laughs> oh, that's right. Like, how do they know that their hotel rooms are clean? <laughs> this is not... This is not advanced technology. They treat it like I do. They they know it time, is not clean. It has to go down to engineering and fucking use tweezers to put stuff together and whip one up. And Riker just complains to him about how long it's taking, too. Yeah. Uh, for some reason... Well, you know what it is? is because you can buy UV light bulbs, but only in October. Because <laughs> they're spooky? Because they're spooky. Yeah. Uh... For some reason, they have a hard time figuring out where Jordy beamed down to. Why? Yeah, well, he was still savvy enough to fucking wipe his... To fucking scramble up the transport <laughs> yeah, trace? As, a, as an invisible man. 
Also, uh, and again, this would be every single episode if you thought about it, but they're like, we got to fix her while there's still some DNA. And then now no one ever thinks to just fucking run her back through the transporter. <laughs> she must have beamed on at some point recently. If nothing else, she fucking beamed on over. And yeah, maybe she had the parasite inside her still at that point, but, but uh, you know how to Dr. Crusher that. knows where that is now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we can't ever dwell on that. We just can't do we it. Won't, we won't see it again until uh, Rascals, and then we'll see it again. I wish they wouldn't ever the bring big it back. Transporter fix them up. Why do they gotta keep bringing it back if they're not gonna use it every time? Uh, also, this one away mission was recorded on VHS tape <laughs> to be sent it to America's Funniest. Home it really videos. is some fucking early '90s handheld home camera fucking technology that they're using on this thing. Yeah. Yeah, why? That's... Why was this mission recorded and none of the... We've seen four years of away missions now. Not one of them has had a guy just wearing a fucking Google Glass yep. recording everything that happened down there while the leader of the away mission narrates to camera. Not only that, we will never see it again. Yeah. Not just... Why was this one mission yes. recorded? Not only have we not seen it before, it will even after this episode, they didn't go, well, that's a thing that could happen. But it didn't occur to them that there could be like, this is footage from the outpost we were investigating five years ago, from the external cameras, which were still functioning at the time or something, right? Instead, they got to put this guy in there with his light on so that Jordy can be like, uh, what if, okay, what? imagine my friend is 1.7 meters tall <laughs> and extrapolate him. Computer, undo! Undo, computer! Computer, oh no, oh, oh no! Oh, so horrifying. Oh, I fucking hated that. <laughs> Just fucking pyramid head shows up or something, and you're like, ah. Uh, so nothing that happened it was important, and nothing that happened made sense. I only gave it a one. And does that mean that your score is now a one? Make it a one! <laughs> that usually, when Matt says he could see a one, that's and then it turns out my score is a one. Yeah, That's like when O'Brien said to Keiko, can you believe there were people, there were people in that room <laughs> that were like still mad at the Cardis? And I was like... Pfft. Come on, man. Let it go. The war's over. It's been a year. Like, what's the big deal? Can you Be believe a it? better man. Come on. Can you believe it, though? That's weird, right? Why would people feel like that? Do you think people feel like that? Uh, just waiting for Keiko to say. That's natural. I mean, I get it. I hate the fucking Cardis. <laughs> yeah, I want the Cardis dead. So you can go, yeah, man, it's, maybe you got a point. I hate the Cardis. Uh, the Cardis do suck. Now that you bring it up, point. now that you said it, I say, yeah, I mean, yeah. So good, maybe I, it's I, not I, racist at all. Yeah, it's a good point. I hate them. Maybe those aren't bad people who think that. <laughs> <laughs> characterization hmm. surprised on the rewatch how little time they spend establishing LaForge and Lighten's relationship yeah it, it would especially have been nice after Jordy's big creep turn the other week <laughs> to explain why this woman trusts Jordy and thinks of her him like a little brother and everything yeah what makes their relationship so platonic and yeah also close so I don't know, man. I would have loved something there. Uh, otherwise, everyone is real somber this week. Yeah. Data seems like he might cry. Crusher gets all up in his business about it. Riker's only job this week is to spout techno babble and engineering. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not bad for the one character the show's about. Yeah. But it, it didn't need move the needle very much character-wise for me, so it's just a four. Yeah, it was like... No one does anything wrong, I just... I, there's an opportunity to do more, and it's only about one person. Yeah, it was a two-hander with the guest and Jordy, and it's not really about emotions or anything. 
they're scared that they're going to turn into a monster and then they turn into a monster. That's basically it. Yeah. But they're, it's not their fear that turns them into a monster. No. <laughs> no, that'd be something. Hey, there's a metaphor in there. They should have done that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Could have got some take points. Um, okay. That line Jordy tells about enjoying the bachelor's life too much is delivered so perfectly. Yeah. Jordy does not believe that for one second. <laughs> and as he's saying it, he kind of gives up on the idea. <laughs> I enjoy the bachelor's life too much. Have you ever heard of Leah Brahms? Just kind of looks at his drink. You're just like, oh boy. Yeah, I wonder if he ever got around to telling her about any of that business. <clears throat> um, like he didn't know he was going to be meeting up with her so soon and he just wrote her like a real bad letter full of all that shit. Like, <laughs> Not, figuring it'd be a year before he had to see her again and it wouldn't be a big deal yeah, by then. Yeah, he needed to get it off his fucking chest and then she and just then she's fucking up. on the next shuttle out there because uh, Bravel. uh, Bravel stole a shuttle and now they gotta deal with it. Yeah. Anyway, like you said, Jordy thinks that this lady is an older sister. When I was a kid, I thought they were brother and sister. I thought they were too and the only thing I'm wondering is if we hear more about like, is she mentioned off screen in the episode where Jordy's goddamn mom is missing? No, another sister is. There's another okay. sister who's like his actual sister. Like you, I thought that she was like his adopted sister. Yeah, and then like later on when we see Jordy's family, then you know which one was adopted. And you go, okay, so that lady was adopted. And in my head, that's what it was. But after watching it, it's not, it's not really supportive. It's absolutely not that. It's clear yeah. that she was like slightly superior to him on that ship and that he had a lot of questions about women that he turned to her uh-huh. to answer. It's just weird how I just, I don't know, I always thought that. But yeah, watching it now, it's just like, oh no, there's something else. They're just close for whatever reason. Yeah, which is also why I want more yeah. explanation. We ain't never heard of her before now. Guess what? We're not ever going to hear about her again. So, okay. But anyway, ultimately their relationship is what pulls uh, pulls him back from the brink. Picard tried to talk another guy into saving his shuttle on the bridge, but fails this time. Again, you can tell he thought he had that one nailed. Um, There's some s- nature of humanity stuff with data that is always pretty flat. Um, Otherwise, the guest really carried the load this week, so I agreed it was a four. Boy, I, I just checked uh, Memory Alpha, and you are not wrong. She, This is her only appearance and the only mention of her. I, I, I mean, I think I would have remembered if he'd ever brought her up again, because yeah. I thought they were brother and sister the whole time. What about quick hitters? Mm, Beverly's hair is buck wild this week. It's <laughs> like she got a blowout, but from a fucking jet engine. It's it's like it's like a less mullety Trump haircut. Like it's longer all around, but it's blown up like a Trump do. I was so distracted. She's in like nine scenes every time. I couldn't look at anything else. Uh, there was a plasma fire in Cargo Bay three <laughs> earlier. Her hair got just whipped all around. Yet another time they had to uh, fucking uh, decompress the cargo. Yeah, 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 it happens to her a kind of a lot actually. Yeah, that's her fucking regular routine. Um. Why Why does Android have so many forehead wrinkles? <laughs> it's only been three years. <laughs> why does he have so many? He had like 150 separate wrinkles. They fucking, they cast Brent Spiner 
at a of the wrong period of his life because yeah. over the seven years of TNG, uh, well, there it's seven. It turns out to be seven hard years. <laughs> That's right. Like they should have they should have cast a fucking twenty one year old. Yeah, if you need someone to have that fucking good robot skin, you need to go younger than that. Yeah, should have cast Wesley. Cause like, man, Brent Spiner looks so bad in those movies. Looks, by the last one it's bad and, and i haven't seen picard <laughs> he looks so bad in picard it's crazy i thought it was audacious of them not to say anything about it <laughs> I, about his how his aging program uh-huh. was doing this now i was afraid they were gonna make up a techno babble explanation that i would have hated and i was like all right okay fine i respect the fucking game that you didn't even talk about how he is uh bloated up like a fucking blowfish yeah, he looks bad in Picard. Um, it wouldn't matter at all if he wasn't an android. It's just yeah. so it's so distracting to think about even for a second. But here he is, even in season four. I just looked at him and I went, oh man. Like, it's looking rough up there. Well, you know the fucking gold makeup cakes and the wrinkles yes. too, and it makes it worse. It, so. was, it made it 100% worse. If he had just his regular ass skin up there, you wouldn't have been able to tell. Uh, they should have fucking realized what was going on and... Uh, moved him into a humanoid clone body in season two. That's right. Fucking downloaded his consciousness, and then he and could just been like experienced yeah, he's humanity. Not, he's still not quite normal, but he doesn't have the super strength anymore, and he is aging. That's right. Uh, then all the stuff about Jordy and that shadow, and how confused I was. Um, again, that hollow program Riker and Worf walking on is a real nightmare. <laughs> I just would have <laughs> walked back out. No, 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 no. I don't know what this is, and I don't want to. You no, know and I don't think he's in there. I looked around. I, don't, I didn't see. You know, him. he probably left the ship another way. Well, how about this computer and program? Is he in here? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> computer and program. Where is he? I don't see hey, him. Do you see? Are hey? Are any of the lights like wobbly or cut off? Are <laughs> any of the lines right. on the grid? Because you can't hide against a grid, no matter how good your goddamn cloak is. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why they go and explore that fucking holodeck. But just computer and program is yeah. He my in enti- here? my exact quick hitter on that is don't search the structure <laughs> and the program. Yes. But I definitely would not have searched around in there after seeing the horrible monster Jordy left for me. Thanks, computer. Delete blob. Thanks, computer. Buddy. Fucking asshole. Oh, fuck, man. Warn somebody. Yeah, it's just right there. Out just the let open. me walk in on that. Ugh, like all creepy, like in the light, just sitting there lit up. Ugh. And again, everybody immediately recognized which weird blue man was Jordy. Like you said, maybe the other ones were more far gone, but I immediately went, they, wait. They were. And if you go back and watch that scene again and you see the very bad pantomime running that the hunched over <laughs> lizard men do, you will see that Jordy is less trans. He doesn't have a dorsal fin for one thing. <laughs> Uh, that's it, man. That's, it was a wild episode. What about you? I have a few. Yeah. Uh, it's odd that we've never seen anyone ever recording an away team mission in any series of Star Trek, but here it is. Uh, Picard orders a positive pitch of 20 degrees relative to what (laughs) the dude is flying straight at the planet. Which direction do you want him to turn? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, God, what a long establishing shot of this shuttle before the beam in effect. I guess this one must have come in short. It could be. I guess there's a whole other story, huh? Of why Riker feels like he can call Lieutenant Commander Lighton Susanna, even though her quote-unquote brother, Jordy, just asked about her using her rank. Yeah. Jordy shows up. Where's Commander Lighton? <laughs> Riker to Susanna? I know. 
I don't know if he was trying to make a play for her before he found out Jordy was close to her or what. Yeah, I guess they have gotten close, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume Data was just subtly correcting everyone's pronunciation by saying Tarchanin. He's the only one in the episode that says it that way. <laughs> it's only once. Couldn't possibly be a mistake. Data's a robot. It's true. Uh, Jordy might be a bad friend, huh? So far she's had twitchy hands, nervous pacing, and sensitivity to light, and he hasn't marched her right back to sick bay. No. Uh, it's my boy Darian Wallace walking around back there, by the way. Oh, nice. There he was. Yeah, right there in engineering. LeVar Burton must have a false front tooth because it doesn't light up under UV. Oh. Well, then it's much better than that Australian guy from that series where they drop stuff off a tower that I watch. That guy's dead tooth is so distracting. Oh, because it's gray? Yeah, he's got a gray-ass dead tooth just sitting there. And all the time. Actually, they did say recently that if one of their videos, the whatever that one was that they were talking about it in, if it got to 200,000 likes, he'd get his tooth replaced. <laughs> I I put a like on it. <laughs> you I slapped a like yeah, on that one. Like what the hell? Like, just get it replaced, buddy. It's very I'm hard. Looking at your gray tooth, it's yeah. not good. I get that. I feel this way watching Gaki Natsukai. Those guys have awful tobacco stained teeth. Yeah. I mean, Matsumoto looks like a Ferengi. So, <laughs> what are you gonna do? He really, really does. If you gave him some big old lobes, you'd be like, oh yeah, I see it. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, it turns out you don't have to do much to a human. He's huh? missing some of the forehead lobe, but no, that's him. That's the one. That's a Ferengi. It must be like half a joke when an alien species rolls up on a planet and finds a Federation warning beacon. <laughs> and they must be like, what do you think it is this time? Something dangerous or uh, some kind of respect for life nonsense? <laughs> like, why are we being warned away from this planet, do you think? That's true. A lot of them would be like, always with their respect for life, these fucking guys. Maybe there's just like a hot 18-year-old down there. It's hard to say. I got a nasty letter from a Federation guy once that said I shouldn't use a tricorder to scan dead people because we didn't know what their culture was. One, I don't even know how he knew I did that. But two, I'll scan them all day, man. All day. (laughs) What's the tricorder going to do? Come on. (laughs) I gave Best Actor to uh, Lighten, explaining why she didn't marry Paul What's-His-Name, and Worst Actor to Lighten, trying to make a human connection with Jordy down on the planet. Yeah, that was a tough, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for any actor. <laughs> it was a real tough scene, and the writers did not give her good material, but also... <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Second place last week was Deep Space Nine. Oh, boy. This week we watched... The Muse. Uh, Is it okay if I do some A plot, B plot? I think you should. Okay. Because they don't connect. I don't think they intersect at any point. Um, Jake. Not Jack. He's in the other realm. Jake is uh, hanging on the promenade, creeping on everybody and coming up with cool (laughs) character ideas. I think he's getting odd now that Nog is gone. Um, He sees an old... I think he just probably realizes that at 18 years old, he hasn't actually lived at all, and he's out of shit to write about. (laughs) He wrote 15 stories about losing his mom. Nope, he's not done writing about that. Uh, he sees an older alien lady walking around and 
the music tells us that means something. Later, he's sitting in the replomat writing, I guess. That lady comes and sits with him and talks about how she's befriended all of the great artists in the fucking quadrant or whatever. And generally pervs on Jake, who's just a nice boy trying to live a clean life. <laughs> she says she can help him bring his talent to the service to the surface like she did for old Bucket Butt, the greatest architect of bottomless only strip clubs in the Denebus sector. Or whatever she said, it doesn't matter. Cisco comes to see Jake in his dreadful civilian clothes because he's going to go on a shore leave. <laughs> <laughs> They're particularly bad this week. He's doing shore leave with Cassidy Yates, who I guess is still around. He probably didn't tell her about Jennifer 2 or whatever. Oh, she's dead. Why does he get to tell her anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what happens in the First of all, universe? happened in a different universe. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> she's dead. Don't matter. Jake says he needs to work as an excuse to get rid of his stupid dad so he can get with this weird older chick. <clears throat> After that, he goes right to this lady's quarters so she can read his stories, but she is very creepy and it makes him nervous. <laughs> she also gives him a uh, paper and a neat pen uh, that mm-hmm. fucking Grumbus Doggins used when he wrote the Crotch Viper <laughs> series. I don't remember the alien artist that she's talking about. <sighs> then she touches his head and neck and stuff and I almost turned off the show. Good thing I didn't, though, because it got really cool. No, it didn't get cool at all. No, just exactly what you thought would happen happened. A bunch of green energy gets siphoned out of his head. The lady eats Jake's brain energy while he writes furiously, and she makes (laughs) O-faces behind him. Cut to later, Jake is still writing furiously and gets a nosebleed, but he doesn't let that stop him. He's got all these good ideas about a character named Jack whose mother dies, but also he's a dog person like Scruff McGruff. And he's finally going to learn all about how money works and how being responsible is the right thing to do. And the lady just smiles while he keeps killing himself, writing down all these great words. The name of this novel? 60612. (laughs) She even convinces him to pay $10 per month to unlock the Microsoft Word tier with the great words like exhibition and judiciary. That's actually just an idea I had for making more money off of MS Word, in case anybody from Microsoft is listening. Anyway. <laughs> we noticed you tried to use a premium word. You, you can do that if you spend $9.99. These are the other great words you'll unlock. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Mm-hmm. Patent, patent, patent. Honestly, I hope they just take it. It would be cool to have an idea out there that I did. It's free. <laughs> just take it. Uh, anyway, she uh, makes him take a break after a while because this fucker's going to use up all of his magic brain energy in one night. But dude doesn't even make it home. Stops at the replomat for a satisfying late night OJ and falls <laughs> off his glass <laughs> of orange juice. Falls off his chair like a moron. Oh, fuck, man. I am beat. I am busted. You know, you what have what I, I been doing for three days? <laughs> I'm going to get some OJ. Give me a fucking fresh OJ. But only because the replomat doesn't have Sunny D. <laughs> I've asked Chief O'Brien so many times. He says, that's not real. That was never real. (laughs) Uh, The creepy lady breaks him out of the infirmary and puts him back to work on his novel. She could not live without his brain energy. Yeah, well, she takes him right into the Jeffries tubes, and instead of playing Frere Jaca with him, she starts stealing his brain again. And Cisco fucking commandos down into, again, whatever fucking shaft she's got to hold up in and calls for a medical team. 
The lady says she's worked with Cardulo, Tates, and Munchie, all on their signature paint signature paintings of cats. <laughs> but that Jake was so young and eager, and she'll never forget him. I I love, by the way, the defenses your psyche put up against this episode. <laughs> it was so hard to watch. You just had to make up artists. I told you this was probably the longest uh, episode description I ever wrote, and I think it's because I hated it so much. Uh, Cisco fires a phaser at her, but it doesn't do nothing. She just turns into a ball of light and yeets out of there at warp speed. Okay. <laughs> well, sure, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, one of her patrons was the uh, Roman general and poet Catullus, so <laughs> she's um, she's one of these immortals. She's kind of like Red Jack. Oh, is that or, what she uh, said? It wasn't Cardulo? Oh. No, it wasn't. And Keats was another one. No, I said, yeah. I said Tates. I was close, though. <laughs> you were close. That's pretty close. I don't know about Munchie. <laughs> I think he probably was him. They did two humans and one alien this week instead of two aliens and one human. She spit out so many fucking alien artists and shit i could not believe they kept coming back from they did truck and triple dipped on that shit <laughs> um jake is recovering and cisco comes in and gives his notes as the father of an author she had to pick a couple of artists who weren't secretly flynn it's hard yeah he was every time he was i mean he was da vinci and shakespeare and etc yeah uh, Jake can't be sure if he even wrote the shit down, but Cisco assures him it was all inside of him, and he'll just have to work on finding a way to get those good words out on his own or whatever. Uh, in an odd and unearned throwback, we see the book is already titled Anslum. The yeah, it's about a, he's about a third of the way done with it or something, but he's got a title for sure. That's the book that the older Jake, the Teton Jake, made, and the one where he was going through time trying to save his dad. And then the music from that episode comes back. <laughs> End of A plot. <clears throat> B plot. Odo goes to his office and he finds a crying Luoxana Troy. By the way, to double you up. Sure, that's how our name's pronounced. <laughs> well, at least one time in this episode, it's Loxwana. But well, her, her husband, we'll learn about him, does say Loxwana when he shows up. Oh, so. believe me, I definitely wrote that down because he <laughs> does not. That's not like a, a halfway. He straight up says Loxwana. Um, but how rude to put these two plots in the same episode. Um, <laughs> For sure. Well, no, it's one episode that you could definitely take a nap during if you ever rewatch Deep Space Nine. I guess that's true. I don't have to pay attention to either plot. Um, anyway, there's a crying Loxwana Troy who announces she's fucking pregnant. Uh, she's upset because her husband is Tavnian. And he's going to take Luxana's baby boy to raise alone. They got a weird culture where the the men raise the boys and the women raise the girls, and they don't they don't tell they don't tell them that the other gender exists <laughs> until they're sixteen. I was hoping that was hyperbole. Which, frankly, seems like a lot. It's a lot. That's gonna be a big day, huh? Okay, so you're sixteen. You ready for the secret? Yeah, it's a big one. We're not alone. <laughs> there are others. They're like us, but unlike. Um, she wants to hide out on DS9 because dude won't know where to find her. Mine doesn't work. He finds her right away. Later. Also, Odo knew he would find her. Yeah, because, like, it ain't that hard. Well, I mean, Odo's, you can see that Odo, when she said he wouldn't find her there, Odo started to reach for a pad and then thought better of it. (laughs) 
later, Luoxana is depressing Quark's patrons, all senior staff, of course, with her sob stories. Quark asks Odo to keep her busy, and because those two are good friends, Odo agrees and takes her for a walk. They end up at his quarters, where they chat about Kira. Odo feels her baby moving around, and then she falls asleep on him. It's all very cool. Later, they're playing hide-and-seek, and Odo's smiling and hopping around like one of those art collective weirdos in her favorite mud bath hollow program. <laughs> Why is he so happy in that scene? But uh, He will explain it later. But her husband tracks her to DS9, which she thought was not going to happen, but it happened. And Odo goes to tell the guy off. This is where he called her Loxwana. Um, anyway, this guy's really stubborn, so Odo reveals um, that he was a detective again this week. And he studied Tavnian law. He was a law detective, like Kira is sometimes. Yeah. Odo says if uh, Luoxana marries him, her previous marriage with this other, this first guy will be uh, automatically annulled. And since it's the mother's husband that has to raise the baby and not the father, this would allow her to... It's a trick. It's a trick so that she can raise her baby. But wait! If anybody doubts his sincerity about loving Luoxana at all, they can challenge the validity of the marriage, whatever that means. So Odo will have to convince everybody at this wedding that's going to happen in five minutes that he's already in love. Luckily, uh, all of his friends who were there don't care at all. <laughs> They're not even surprised that by he's this. getting married. They No one is going to say, do you? Are you sure? Hey, do you really want to do this? Think about it. Does this seem like the best plan? Like, she's in Federation territory now. I'm pretty sure he can't take that baby from her. <laughs> yeah, you could just say, that's not how it works here. And I think he's going to have to go home, I think. Yeah. Um, The traditional Tavnian ceremony begins, and Odo starts to make poetry with his clay face. He's pretty brief with his remarks, and the husband immediately calls for a video review on the field. <laughs> they call for a replay of third down and Odo fucking dials up the Statue of Liberty and talks all about how Luoxana changed him forever and how he's not alone anymore and even the Technomage from Babylon 5 can't complain about his sincerity. <laughs> Luoxana comes to Odo's office later and says, I'm going back to fucking Beta Z. Like, we did a cool trick, now I got my baby, I'm good. Odo tries to get her to stay, but she says it's better for everybody if she rambles on. They say their goodbyes, and she yeets out of here almost as fast as that energy lady from earlier. <laughs> Both plots resolved very cleanly. What was this episode about? Uh, um, maybe something like you don't know what's inside you until you put it out into the world. Okay. This is obviously a part of Jake's story. Right at the end, he doesn't think he's responsible for all this good work, but Cisco tells him, I mean, this was all inside you. Who cares how you got it out, mm -hmm. right? And you can, you'll figure out a way to get the rest of this story out. Uh, it's also part of Odo's, though. Like, I don't think he really understands his feelings until he has to declare them out loud. I don't think he knows why he's going through this shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, he had fun on this jungle gym. And <laughs> he had so much becoming fun. Becoming the becoming the surface of the jungle gym and everything but like his declaration is all about how he's always been a, an outcast and tried to hide who he was mm -hmm. and but like she she accepts him and also it's the first time he's ever like 
shared what it's like to be a changeling with her. Right. And stuff like that. And I don't think he knew that was in there. But let's be honest. This isn't a big message story. The writers just wanted to really explore a world in which a sexy older woman was interested in their enormous talent. As a writer. They're writing The most important job in culture. Uh, And uh, even the take that I chipped out of this is not a big deal. So I only gave it three. I mean, it's better than I did. I'm actually going to take your take and points. My take, I could only come up with. Don't question how you got it done. You got it done, man. Yeah. That's it. Like, there are lots of ways to... um, Maybe another one would be like, there are lots of ways to love somebody, but you better love somebody the same way they love you if you want to do a marriage. That's not anything either. I tried hard. I couldn't come up with anything. (laughs) So I'll take yours. It's better. Uh, If I can think of a way to combine the A plot and the B plot, I always will try to. Sure. I mean, I I wasn't able to do it, but I'm glad you were. Because this isn't news radio. I don't need a B-plot every week. No. So it makes me mad if they're not connected at all. I wish they didn't do so many, especially DS9. They do a lot of totally disconnected plots. DS9 loves showing us what O'Brien and Bashir are getting up to in the holodeck or whatever the fuck. Sometimes only for like so. three scenes and then, like you said, they're just not in the back half of the episode. And you're like, okay, why did we do that then? Uh, but boy, isn't it nice to what? know that if you want to be Odo's friend, all you have to do is go to his fucking quarters and play hide and seek. Yeah. Like, he will fucking be way into you after that. That's what everyone should do. <clears throat> it's just that game where one object in the room is made out of candy, and you can only test it with your <laughs> you mouth. You have to bite that doorknob or whatever. <laughs> it was the doorknob. That person fucking sniffed it out. Um, but Maybe literally. Maybe that's the secret. I think that would sort of have to be the only way to do it. All right, but execution. Did anybody ask for either of these plots? Anybody at all? Let us know at home if you wanted either of these plots to happen. Was it a UPN theme week? There had to be a wedding, but also a cautionary tale about befriending an older woman? I love the idea that there was a wedding on Deep Space Nine. There was a wedding on Voyager. Was there a wedding in season two? It's a wedding on seven days. What seven days? <laughs> oh man, uh, on Moesha. I just can't figure this out. It just comes out of nowhere. Like five minutes later, he's marrying this broad, and it's like, what is happening? Uh, this a plot about Jake. Was it also they could say at the end, "Hey guys, remember that Teton episode with Future Jake that everybody liked?" It was such a bizarre wrap up. How come Future Jake uh, never told us a lady sucked the thoughts out of his head to make Anselm? And with no Cisco there to commando in and stop her, how did he live? Uh, I think we can assume that he had already gone back to Earth or whatever. Because like, he kicked around the station for a while after Cisco died, but didn't Kira try to get him to fucking go home? Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. Or is it just that T-Todd Jake took like 25 years to write it instead of the one night yeah. Jake took or whatever? Well, it's not. he's not even finished with it, so who knows? <sighs> It was just so so unnecessary, and again, totally unearned. Just like, look, guys, remember? B-plot, can we stop having the Loaxana episodes? Can they stop now? Yes, this was her last appearance. Okay, because they don't fit in with the rest of the series in any way. Unfortunately, you and I aren't done with them. This project is not done with them. Start. This was her last appearance in Star Trek, but unfortunately... 
we're only in season four of the next generation. I know we got more of her, but it's like... So there's more coming. They don't fit in with the series on DS9. They're just like a stalling tactic. Will Odo ever mention her again after this appearance, even though we're supposed to believe he wanted to marry her at the end? You don't have to see the rest of the series to know that he will never talk about her again. He is legally married to her. That's what I'm saying. He's married. Do you think we will ever even hear that he's no longer married no, to her? they will not talk about it. It's unbelievable filler on both plots. Again, with the possible exception that what they were going for was some kind of cool thing where they said, guys, we made a good episode 10 weeks ago or whatever. Can you go watch that? Um, I have it as... Hey guys, Tony Todd cried a bunch about his dead dad <laughs> in that one. That was pretty good it stuff. Do you think we milked up his eyes at everything? People often what forget if we that. Had, what if we had uh, Sirach Lofton get a scalp massage? <laughs> like I always it's pretty similar emotionally, right? You know, as a writer, my greatest horny thought is that a lady will massage my scalp while I write. A, la- a lady will notice me writing in a cafe. Like, Ooh, give me some of that. And, be, and first of all, flutter basement immediately. Mm-hmm. And second of all, be real interested. Be real interested. And want to and be my muse. Yeah, and talk about how... And really get my best work out of I'm going to be as great as all of these great artists. And then just going to yeah. touch my head and my neck while I write my great work, my opus. It was a one for me. Um... This one has is really unevenly paced. Uh, the B plot, you, you said you did an A plot, B plot order. So one thing that was not clear from your summary is that the Odo stuff wraps up with like 12 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cisco comes back and tells Odo to look for this ball of light lady or whatever. And uh, Odo doesn't be like, I'm in the middle of a cool adventure of my own. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have my own life, you know. Hold on. So they had to wrap it up before that. Uh, there's way too much tube crawling for the one minute of conversation that follows. The reveal that this novel that he's been working on is Anselm is pandering. Yep. Also, given that this phaser blast does nothing to her, I don't know why Onaya even had to leave the station. Couldn't she just keep killing Jake right there in front of his daddy? I'm still eating his brain energy. (laughs) Look, he's still writing. You can't even stop him. Maybe jump into Cisco's head. Get all up in his business about what a great clock he could make if he only had her help. <laughs> Maybe he could go back to doing clocks. Maybe she would just discover his great, great talent for, uh, um, oh, what was I going to say? Building old boats? No, um, oh, what's it called? Cooking jambalaya? When you, when you make somebody else do work. Delegating. Sorry, it's been a long, it's been a long week. Um, <laughs> yeah, his great talent for delegating. Maybe that would be, he'd be the greatest delegator of all time. Just O'Brien comes through the door. Cisco's got a fucking nose bleeding. This lady's sitting behind him, rubbing his head. And Cisco says, you doing? <laughs> then he leaves and she's very satisfied. <laughs> got like fucking Kira doing his dishes. She's like, why am I doing this again? Does a replica, I don't. He's got like a super sweet explanation for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the emissary. <laughs> That's right. You said you'd uh, do anything for me. Loxana Troy is like a combination of her kooky man-chasing TNG scenes and her don't-end-up-old-and-alone DS9 stuff. She exits the series with a bunch of unresolved shit, still married to Odo, pregnant, running some kind of anti-green card scheme. (laughs) Yep. The uh, the best part of this whole episode, Matt, was Worf sitting in his workout gi looking absolutely dazed, and Dax has a bad line delivery that ruins that scene. I know! So. I was like, oh, this could be something, and then I was like, no, nah, this scene's nothing. 
And at the end of the day, I only gave it two for execution. This was a not a win. This was not great. Not a not great not a winning episode. World building. Hmm. Psionic energy, possibly telepathic. This week they can scan for it. That's unfortunate that there was just nothing available to the crew of the Enterprise when they were trapped in that Tykins rift. No, they hadn't developed this technology yet, clearly. Yeah. Bajor has an outback. Ooh. Kira and Shakar are still dating. Yep. Oh, and if you like the work of Keats, you can thank this mysterious alien immortal presence as usual. <laughs> Just got to shit on everyone's legacy. Seriously, is there anyone left? Fuck, I think everyone's been... There's, I mean, there's very few people left who are untouched. We have all Indians, Leonardo da Vinci and Shakespeare and Brahms. Yeah. And uh, Keats and Catullus at least were... I mean, this lady was on Earth for... In between the time of the Roman Empire and the time when Keats was writing poetry in English. Yeah. So, if this had been uh, TOS, she would have named 50 more dudes from Earth. She would have named fucking Plato and fucking everybody. And Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dax would have walked in and said she... Uh, recognized the handwriting. She recognized <laughs> Aristotle's handwriting, and this was a new manuscript. Fucking Spock. What does he think he's fooling with that shit? So I hate that, of course. I gave it a one for world building, because yeah. it's bad. I, uh, I agreed it was a one. All the stuff about Tavnians, that's Alien of the Week stuff. He's Tavnian! <laughs> okay, hold on. No one knows what that means. Can you start? Please start again. I don't know what that's about. <coughs> uh, this fucking balding ball of light that eats brain energy and warps off to her next meal. <laughs> Who gives a shit? It's a one. <clears throat> oh, boy. Uh, by the way, we both noticed that she definitely went to warp with, so I just I just stopped thinking about it immediately. So like, what does dumb. that mean? She just fucking she just goes whoop and just fucking whoop. fucking Jedi warps out of there, and you go, well, okay, I guess. Um, this is a big character show, though, right? Ah, uh, yeah, it's the strength. It's clearly the focus of the episode. Here, Jake's in half the episode. Here's my note about Jake. He's fucking weird now. That's it. That's all I know about Jake. Um, Luoxana is knocked up, but she's with a crazy guy now, which is sort of exactly what you would predict would happen. I mean, it's her MO. It's 100% her MO. She's still in love with Odo, but won't stay married to him because it isn't fair to either of them. She's going to be an old-ass mom. Yeah. She looked pretty old in this one. It is fucking... It goes completely unmentioned that she's... When she's pregnant... No one says, what? (laughs) But you're so old. The future's crazy, man. Maybe we should put that in world building. You can get pregnant crazy old. I mean, it kind of makes sense, frankly. Medical technology can already let you get pregnant pretty old now. Yeah. But she was like... And it was a thing in the 90s, too. You'd think that someone would have made a point about it in this episode, but I guess they didn't. No. Uh, Odo. I didn't know what to make of Odo... At first, I'm, I think you're supposed to think he feels bad for Luoxana, probably because he knows what it's like to be unlucky in love. So he, like, humors her and treats her nice, even though she sucks. <laughs> She's so manipulative. But then at the end, I guess we're supposed to think he wants to be married to her, but even he says it's not for love reasons. It's, like, because they just have a nice time together or something. She's, like, his really cool roommate. So that's something... I mean, no one else is really in the episode. Um, for me, it's just a four. 
Uh, yeah, we're not too far apart. Uh, Jake needs to talk to Counselor Telnori. <laughs> or whoever's around this week, man. Yeah. His mom died again last week, and it's clear from his description of the main character of Anselm yeah. that he thinks losing his mom is the most important part of his identity. Yeah. And if he doesn't get right with himself, there are going to be a lot of mysterious older women in his life. Like this fucking... Frankly. Like this lady. Like this lady with our dad's hairline and Paul Hollywood's icy eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Odo just learned to have fun shapeshifting, like recently. <laughs> but also the discovery of the founders and Kira's relationship have both forced him back inwards. So I think this is the first time we've seen him have fun with another person. <laughs> like maybe ever? I think so. I think it's true. So even though his wedding speech seems less than fully motivated, I think we can get him cre- give him some credit because he's going through this all for the first time. Okay. Uh... And Luoxana, who has been looking for just anybody to spend her golden years with, finally figures out that she actually wants more than just company, and Odo can't give it to her, so at least she goes out with a little bit of character growth. Okay. Basically, no one else is in this. Uh, Cisco gets a couple of dad scenes. Kisses Jake. That felt weird to me. <laughs> you mean because... Because Jake's so huge? Because he's an adult man, and that's weird to you, but also, you know, in real life, they're not related. Jake's five inches taller than him, and yeah, like you said, it's not, it's not really his son. Unless it is now? Uh, I don't know how acting works. Maybe that's his son It could now. be. They're four years, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, characterization definitely is not the worst part of this episode, but I am worried about Jake, though. He's worried. I'm worried about the guy. <laughs> you can see from the first scene, you go, oh, no. Oh, this is oh, a boy. Oh, is he just watching people out there? Just talking to himself? That's oh. not good. And then, like you said, when he tells her, uh, it's about a guy whose mom died. I mean, that's uh, not. It's sort of semi autobiographical. It's about a, a guy whose mom died. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no. That's what oh, you're leading Jake. with. And he goes, I mean, it's Jake-o. not about that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, Jaco. Jaco, come on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so it's a five for me for characterization. Okay. Yeah, that's fair quick ones why does odo look so fucking shocked when she says she's pregnant does he think the baby is his does he think that's possible does he not remember is he like when i was a liquid in her dress did she (laughs) put some of me did he forget he doesn't have the Uh, the sperms uh, (laughs) yeah uh and then i was real bummed out to learn that this woman is an actual space succubus yeah then uh, wrote later. It turns out Jake wrote Maggie May. Good. All right. Well. Yeah. Instead of Dax saying I'm so depressed, which she fucking butchers at the end of that scene, I think it would have been great if Worf had just said, "Fuck." <laughs> yeah. If you could do swears in Star Trek, that's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, I had a real panicked moment where I thought Loxana was going to ask Odo to turn into a chair for her to sit in, <laughs> when she said she had to sit down. Yeah. Uh, and then okay she basically did but not with words she just starts leaning against him and goes to sleep yeah uh, this woman Onaya is like nasty Delenn kinda yeah she's got a lot of head business for sure yeah nasty Delenn for sure yeah if you're 18 and you have an idea for an autobiographical novel <laughs> keep it to yourself <laughs> if only 18 year olds knew to keep shit to themselves yeah. that would be great uh, I got an idea it's uh, autobiographical but I'm 
not old enough to write it yet. That would be a weird sentence for him to say. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, JL presumably gave a version of this same speech. How did he convince everyone that he loved her if he pronounces her name (laughs) Loxwana? They didn't know. You know, it was just his family around. She didn't get to bring anybody. Also, big Campio energy from him, too. Oh, yeah. The alien makeup was very Campio-like. Oh, yeah. And he's not not Campio-like. Oh, man. Now, who who's Campio, everyone is saying? Yeah, we'll see who him. We'll see him later. We'll see him in later. In the higher, in the fewer. That's, that's coming up. Uh, that, that seems like a season sixer, right? Uh, feels like not maybe five. And the problem is, I don't remember the name. Oh, uh, it's not just called Laughing Hour. Uh, um, is that blah, blah, Cost blah. of Living? That, no, Cost of Living is something else. It's, uh, mm, uh, mm, it's called. Uh, <laughs> boy, we shouldn't do it like this. We should look it up. <laughs> yeah. This one's not working. Yeah, I'm just I'm just scrolling. <laughs> this one's not working. Is but what if it is Cost of Living? It might be Cost of Living. It might be. Because I don't see what uh, else it could be in here. Anyway, this guy's got big Campio energy, so she's definitely got a type. Yeah, that. I <sighs> once you said that, I went, "Oh boy, that really." Like, I mean, if this guy had a jaunty cap, he'd be Campio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, without uh, without the protocol minister. <laughs> That's right. Who I I am looking forward to seeing again. And Nurse Tagana, aka Patricia Tallman, aka Lita Alexander. <laughs> it's in my notes. Uh, she must have got paid nothing to do Babylon 5 because she was stunt doubling Dax and Kira. Mm-hmm. She's also just been... Dr. Dr. Crusher. She's the one who takes the fall off the ship in Generations. She's also just uh, been as other characters. Like, she was a helmsman <laughs> in a different DS9 episode. <laughs> so, but, like, while she was filming B5, yes. she was uh, stunt doubling people. And it's like, man... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. PTEN did you wrong yeah. or whoever. Yeah, she was a main cast member for like three seasons on Babylon Five. Yeah. So what's up? Yeah, that sucks. Uh, anyway, always good to see her. <laughs> she didn't really have. She got scared by. She got spooked by a ghost this week. Yeah, she um, was in that Bajoran makeup, but as you know, that is not the good makeup. That's not very different. So what? As soon as no. it's, it's she's very it's very better. Oh, Lita again. Cool. It sucks that there's a character named Lita in this, too, that's played by a different redhead. A different Bajoran, yeah. Yeah. Uh, looks like Jake, by the way, when when she stops to make him go take a rest, has just written wood of. So I think this thing's going to need a lot of editing. <laughs> when, uh, when she's like, you got to stop it, it showed the page and he had just written wood of. I never bothered to so. read those. I feel like, oh, I'm going to have to pause it and take a look at it. Like, I don't want to do this. So- I assume they just had him write whatever. Like for, it was probably a real fun day for him. He just did a bunch of stream of consciousness writing. Probably thought he was a pretty big deal, too. Yeah, it could be. <clears throat> Would have. And uh, again, another show that just can't leave history alone. I gave best actor this week to Odo and worst actor to Dax. Oh, she had yeah. one line and... I'm so depressed. Yeah, it's a... Yep, yes, that's it. She did it. It wasn't good. That's how depressed people talk and act. Uh, All right, I got a couple. Let's have them. I must have them. Please don't tell us the first line of Jake's book. Please don't tell us the first line of Jake's book. 
He says he already knows the. First. She's like, you, I'm sure you already know the first line, don't you? Uh, he didn't say it out loud, nope. but I think you can read part. Of I it. didn't want to. I did not want to look at it, but I was like, please I don't tell didn't. us. <laughs> it's gonna be so bad. There's no way for a writer to write the first line of a fictional book that is not gonna be terrible. No, it's gonna suck. You're gonna be like, uh, night. So it's Nightingale Woman. The uh, the the best love poem ever written in the galaxy. And you're like, please don't, don't do it. I don't want to know what you think woman. is the best poem ever written. In uh, the, galaxy. the author of Nightingale woman, by the way, was mentioned as one of the people, this woman succubied. <laughs> That's good. Um, this mean husband played, played the techno mage on B five. Like I said, you, you did mention as that. well as uh, Kang, the Klingon. Um, he also calls her Loxwana, like we said. <laughs> Again, because we had the same notes on this. Was that Bajora nurse that got got Lita fucking Alexander from B5? We've already seen her as a Starfleet rando in this show. This is like the same time as B5, a show she was a regular in for a few seasons. Why does she need to debase herself like this? Uh, uh, definitely go to Memory Alpha. There's like her, her page on Memory Alpha. There's like 40 pictures of her stunt doubling everybody. <laughs> Maybe. Like where it's you could see clearly see her face like someone did a freeze frame and you're like oh that's uh it's Patricia Tallman again. Are we finding out something about her which is always my least favorite thing? Are we finding out her passion was stunt work and uh-huh. the acting on Babylon Five in a main role was just like to get the money or whatever and her passion was falling off of boats? Wasn't I mean the her role on B Five she did not audition for so that was a gift to her from uh, JMS. Oh, that's nice of him. And that's why the studio was like, no, let's have an actress for the first season. <laughs> and they brought in uh, name? Andrea Thompson. Who then wanted to be a CNN anchor? Who then just was had enough of B5. And listen, season one is rough, and you really have to stick with it all the way to the well, end before you get a hint that it's going to be something. And then they're playing it like, well, maybe they're going to do something with this. Maybe there's going to be some lesbo stuff, which at least would be something to put on your reel <laughs> in the early 90s. Like, look what I did. This is real television. But then they couldn't do it. The network was like, we're not going to do lesbo stuff. JMS. No lesbo stuff. Give me a on, lesbian man. in space. JMS. I'll tell you the same thing I told Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. Right. So then they had to just make it like a weird friendship between her and Ivanova. And like, at that point, I also would have pulled the plug. I would have gone, all right, so we're not doing anything. There's nothing here. Sorry for that B5 fucking tangent. Anyway, then he got to bring uh, Patricia Tallman back. So, you know, it could be that acting was not her passion. Uh, All right. We got one. She really liked being a part of the production process. I think so. One more. One more this week. Yeah, the winner last week was Enterprise. Okay. This week we watched Divergence. Archer storms into the brig and tells Reed that Columbia is uh, 30 minutes out from rendezvous because Trip thinks he can fix the virus. But in order to get Trip over here, because the ship can't go below below warp five or it'll explode because it's speed now. <laughs> well, uh, Wasn't right. a problem last week, but this week it's speed. All right. Well, hold on then. Just since you said that, finally, the speed three script I wrote has been given life on screen is my first quick hitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
they have to run an untested procedure to transfer personnel from one ship to another at warp speed. And it turns out Reed's the only guy with simulator hours in it on the ship. So Arch is going to have to, uh, well, anyway, Riker style, the guy he wants. Is I was going to say, damn it. All right. Well, since you <laughs> just took it straight out of my notes, uh, he goes to Mayweather, but Mayweather tells him he could do it, but the guy he wants. Is but <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trip and Reed suit up because it turns out that this procedure is to like climb a tether in between the two shuttle bays after the ship's turnover. Yeah, they're gonna go belly on belly, like fucking. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say Chris Benoit, but he was more of a German suplex guy. It doesn't matter. Oh, you mean the Blue Angels? <laughs> sure. Yeah, Blue Angels. Yeah. Nah. They're gonna do some Blue Angel stuff. That's better than wrestling. Yeah, they get to within 50 meters, um, which is not that close, but they're going, you know. Warp 5. It's 125 times the speed of light, so it's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, And they fire a tether from one shuttle bay to the other. Trip clips in and starts climbing down it hand over hand. Reed manages to unclip him just as the tether rips out of the mm, ceiling. What great drama uh, it was. Yeah, it's a, it's a very long scene, frankly. Uh, Trip's big plan, it turns out, is to shut down the reactor while Enterprise surfs inside Columbia's warp field and restart it real quick. So, you know, there's some banter. Trip banters with T-Pole. Archer banters with his old girlfriend. Trip shuts down the reactor by, like, pulling out a wire, and then they have to hectically Shimoda some parts in and out (laughs) real quick to get it restarted. Uh, you know, they do it just in time. What are you going to say about that? Yeah, it's not. This, this, this wasn't the end of the series. No, and also, again, one of those things where you could tell from the very beginning this was not going to be the plot of the episode, so why are we no. spending minutes on it? <laughs> just lots of minutes. Uh, Archer asks Columbia if they have any plans for the next few days, but we don't get to know what his plans for Columbia are. So. No. Uh, this is where we cut to Phlox. Uh He's in bad shape. Remember, he's got the virus. And I say remember he's got the virus because we never see him get cured. That's right. But at the end of this episode, he is not sick for some reason. Yeah. Uh, the Klingon scientist Ontok has figured out a way to stop the virus from progressing past stage one because of some work that Flox has done. But they know that General Kavog isn't going to accept that because he wants his goddamn augments. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they figure saving millions of lives will be worth the possibility that Kavag will get mad and just kill them. So they go ahead with that plan. Uh, Archer and T-Pole have been digging through Reed's files. He tried to erase him, but he did a bad job and they found his leather daddy, Harris. <laughs> Did they find out anything else about him? Cause I'd like to know some more things about him as a character. Well, it turns out he's a former Starfleet security officer, oh. but that's about all they got. Um, but Archer wants Reed and Reed is... He's feeling pretty bad, and I guess Archer trusted him and let him out of the brig. Maybe that was the last thing. We never get to learn no. what any of Reed's motivations are. Uh, he wants Reed to make contact with him so that Archer can talk to this guy about whatever the fuck's going on. Yeah. Uh, Phlox and Ontok discuss Klingon society. Turns out Ontok has been disowned by his warrior father because of the, his accidental whoopsie which caused this plague. I really wanted his son to be played by Will Smith, but I knew it wasn't possible. <laughs> Just to get a Fresh Prince reunion going, you know. <laughs> um, sure. Uh... 
the returning augments tell Kavag that they've destroyed Enterprise, but that his son was killed by humans and he sucked and he was weak <laughs> and maybe you're weak. They're not nice about it at all. They're not nice about it. To be fair, they are also sick and dying of the virus. So they're moody. Yeah. Phlox tells Kavag that it'll take another hour to shut down the virus. He calls to try to buy time, but his superior, Fleet Admiral Krell, tells him that, uh, yeah, if they're successful before the fleet arrives, the colony will be spared, but uh, fleet's still coming. Yeah. Uh, T'Pol and Trip have a meaningless conversation on their way to return him to Columbia. Seems like it should be about something, but it isn't. <laughs> Kavak tells Phlox his son's unit was volunteered for the mission. He got no special treatment. His lieutenant tells him they felt fear during the battle. She thinks that the virus is making them too human. Did he say he's no longer strong? That's, uh, well, he just knows his son died. He doesn't know why. Because that's what Worf said last week when he said he felt fear. No, that is true. No longer strong, I no longer a warrior. fear. Yeah. She ain't, she ain't happy about it, for sure. Yeah. Harris uh, calls Archer and tells him to that he should read up uh, Article 14, Section 31 of the Charter. And also to ask Archer to go easy on Reed. Uh, maybe he's read some intel about the mock executions and shit that Archer normally likes to pull. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now the worst part of the show Enterprise happens. Huh. Phlox tells Kavog that he has four viral strains <laughs> in four vials. One of them is the cure. The other three are for sure lethal <laughs> definitely lethal this is such a tos thing he doesn't know which is which and kavog volunteers the four klingons in the room <laughs> himself on talk and two guards to test them well, out well you That's know what's gonna happen gonna to those two out. guards for sure yeah they ain't gonna be they ain't gonna be one of the guards nope. um yeah so anyway flux is gonna have to experiment on these volunteers uh Reed tries to explain to Archer how he got caught up in covert ops and how his mission was only to slow Enterprise down so Phlox could do what he needed to do, but it turns out Reed wasn't told about the Augment virus at all. Archer asks him to make a choice about his loyalties once and for all, and he spits out the name of the Kuvat colony. Mm. So Enterprise heads off there. Phlox and Kavag exchange words about the nature of the Augments and the eugenics war and whether the Klingons will be able to control them better than the humans could. Right. And then they inject everybody with the viruses. Um, the two guards start showing symptoms right away. Uh, Flock scans Ontok and realizes that he's sick and that Kavag is the one who has the cure. Oh, this ends up not really mattering because uh, at this point, well, H Harris calls Krell. It turns out these two are working together. Mm hmm. Krell tells Harris, yeah, no problem. I'll just destroy Enterprise and Columbia when they show up. Yeah. Krell, Harris says that wasn't the deal. And Krell says, pray I don't change it any further. Pray I don't alter it again or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Harris is an idiot, it turns out. Hey, dude, what does the giraffe uh, say? Well, <laughs> exactly. He says, he says betray, betray. <laughs> um, Archer shows up. They reach Kuvak and uh, he beams down. Flox asks him for more time. Three battle cruisers drop out of warp. Krell announces he's going to destroy the colony and take possession of the two Starfleet ships. Uh, his ship starts firing on the colony, but it has shields, so it's you know it's going to take a minute. Right. 
Enterprise engages it. The Klingons are jamming everything. They can't make contact with Archer or with Columbia. But of course, Columbia steps in anyway and helps out. They're all fighting up in space. Now, for some reason, what Phlox needs is human antibodies. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, yep. Well, he gets peppered over and over again with questions about how we can make it faster. How are you going to make this yeah. cure faster? And yes, that's what he says. So that gives Archer a chance to volunteer for this dumb experiment, and he gets all injected full of the virus and, you know, starts foaming at the mouth and shaking around and everything real bad. Doing some bacula business. He baculas it up pretty good. Um, Enterprise gets in between the ship and the colony to buy Archer and Phlox a few more minutes. Phlox extracts the antibodies. Then they beam a container of the virus aboard Krell's ship. So... That's against the Hippocratic Oath. We know he ain't got no fucking yeah. medical ethics. Flox <clears throat> calls up and tells him, listen, if you don't want to die from this virus, you got to stop shooting at the colony. Or else I won't be able to cure you. He's feeling himself because he just injected three people with fucking straight poison. <laughs> uh Yeah, 100%. Cut to Enterprise's sick bay. Yeah. Everything is resolved. Uh Ontok now looks human, is horrified by his disfigurement, says that it's the smooth foreheads and everything are going to be passed down to their children. Yeah. T- tells a brief joke about training in cranial reconstruction, but I guess he doesn't because 100 years later, everybody's still got them smooth foreheads. Everybody liked them better. They're better for hats, I think. I think they do work better for hats. Also, they grow hair on the whole scalp now. That's right. That's right. Their hairlines can be restored. Because that's like hair club for men. People started intentionally getting the virus. That's right. Uh, Archer also has mild Klingon ridges, I guess, because he was injected with the Klingon version of the even, Augment virus. Honestly, it was so hard to pay attention to all the meaningless twists and turns that I didn't even remember he was getting Klingon stuff. Yeah. Uh, but those will disappear in a day or two. He says goodbye to Hernandez, but not Trip, because Trip is staying temporarily to help with repairs. So, great TV rules for that one. I hope next week doesn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> Reed gets a call from Harris to thank him, but also to tell him he can't just walk away from his Section 31 job, but Reed hangs up on him. Matt, what's this one about? <sighs> Personal ethics <laughs> trump your professional responsibilities. Um, we get a lot of looks at what's happening among the Klingons and what's happening in Starfleet with this question. It has a clear take, and the take itself doesn't necessarily suck. I gave it a seven. Oh! How about that? How about that fucking hot action right there? Ooh, that's, uh... I'm surprised that my program didn't just shut down when I typed seven. Like, it didn't just go... <laughs> no! Well, or at least try to upcharge you. <laughs> Uh, you, uh, you have an unlocked sevens. You, you need to buy Google. You didn't Drops notice because you're doing a Star Trek project and no one ever gets a seven. But <laughs> yeah, you haven't unlocked that yet. You're gonna have to pay nine ninety nine. Um. Yeah, boy, my take is you um, won't just unlock it's seven. More cynical Wait, than you that. won't just unlock seven. You'll unlock eleven too. And then I say to them, "Isn't that just two ones?" And they go, "Shut up, <laughs> pay us." <laughs> Why can't I just write one space one? How would you know? <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted your take. <laughs> Just think of all the good ways uh, that they could screw us. You know. Here's my take. Uh, blind trust can really leave your ass hanging out. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Reed should have known he wasn't getting the whole picture from Sturgis drunk Harris in his leathers. Mm-hmm. 
Harris shouldn't have trusted Krell to keep up his end of the bargain based on such nebulous ideas as stability in the Klingon Empire. Yeah, it's unclear where Harris gets the idea of that. Did he come up with that himself, or did the Klingon tell him that? It was a real good question. Because <laughs> he doesn't seem to really know what it means or how to measure it or anything. Yeah. Um, but they both did. They both did have that trust, and uh, and why? Because everybody should know this, and it's a real weak, wet take. I gave it a three. Okay. How did they execute... Well, let's start with this. I don't understand a fucking thing about Krell and Harris's plan. <laughs> well, I don't think the writers even thought of it until they were almost done with the episode. Was the instability of the Klingon Empire caused by the plague and Harris's role was just to make it easy for flocks to be kidnapped and to slow down a rescue attempt? That's... What? Yeah. What does he think Phlox is going to be asked to do? And does he care if the Klingons end up with augments? Not if they're, Seems like you should try to prevent that, huh? Not if their empire's stable. Not if they have stability. Uh, this is probably this is probably based on some war on terror politics. Stability in the region means it's okay if the government's bad, Saudi Arabia style or something. Yep. But like in universe, how does it work? Yeah. Yes. Uh, then this one has real weird cinematography. There's all kinds of handheld shots and movements that took me out of the episode. It's kind of like that Targ Fraggle Rock <laughs> shot last week. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch more of them. Yeah. Uh, then they try to explain the more human-like behavior of the TOS Klingons with this virus, too. Yeah. Like, this virus gave them everything but the gold lame vests. <laughs> Boy, I wouldn't be surprised if he just missed that part. If it really did give yeah, them Yeah, I just the forgot. Just didn't notice, yeah. Um... The space battle was unnecessary. The Section 31 element was ultimately not even really necessary unless you care about Reed and Archer's friendship. Mm -hmm. This one was not a big hit for me. I gave it a two. Yeah, it's uh, not a winner, and I did find myself asking how many more of these fucking things before the show is over. <clears throat> I don't know if you can hear my computer wheezing. Six. The answer is six. Okay. My computer is wheezing. I think it's so tired of this. Um. <laughs> all right, it's laudable, I guess, to show Reed bucking the system to do the right thing, or to see Flocks resist, and well, on a bunch of different levels during the last two episodes, rather than I don't know, let millions of people die or make augments or whatever it was he was mad about. But what if, like, because this is based on my take about personal ethics trumping your professional responsibilities. What if your personal ethics are something like, God told me in the Bible that I shouldn't provide service to gays? It's good point. Because then it's not better, you know? So it's kind of a, it's kind of a gray area, it feels like. Um, but anyway, it, it's an easier plot to explore when the authorities are really shitty, which they often are. Um, and like this Section 31 guy obviously is supposed to be some kind of... Uh, like you said, post 9-11 um, ends justify the means kind of government dude or whatever. And uh, obviously the Klingons are not supposed to be great leadership either. Um, this techno babble emergency in the first 10 minutes, you fucking it's the worst. miss me with that. Like, who cares? You're doing a two-parter? You thought you had enough for two parts? It's 100% designed to get Trip back on board Enterprise. Mm -hmm. But it's not important for this week. 
I mean, yeah, he solves the technical stuff, but you could just have them solve. You could just not do the technical stuff. There wouldn't be a technical challenge. Yeah, <laughs> then he wouldn't need to solve it. Like, he doesn't do anything except What if they that? just can't catch up with the Klingons? Yeah. What if it's going to take too long? First of all, they don't know where they're going. And second of all, it's just going to take too long. It's, um... So, it's. I guess it's for next week. I don't know. Because he doesn't... It's not important that he's here. Um... It, look, you can fucking put all the important sounding music behind it. You possibly can. It won't change the fact that Trip is shouting a make em up about warp engines while somebody pushes buttons with great determination. It's yeah. It's what happens when your show isn't really about anything real like the human condition. Um, As if there weren't enough questions of medical ethics for flocks, they give us a, a final crazy script idea. Like you said, he's going to have to inject four people. And three of them will definitely die. <laughs> And one will definitely live like the time. And have the cure for the virus. Yep. Like the time McCoy gave that thing to Spock and he said, well, it'll either cure you or it'll definitely kill you. And <laughs> it was like, really? Either or, huh? It's just, it's going to cure me or it's going to kill me for sure. There's no middle ground. It's not going to not cure me and not kill me. All right. I contend that this is three times as bad. <laughs> That's right. right, exactly. It's like that, but worse. And then, I, oh, wait, there's one after that. He has to inject Archer 2 with something. Hey, I think the script could use some editing. Also, he uses the virus as a bio- biological weapon. Yes, so. then there's one after that where he sends it over to the guys on their ship. Why does <sighs> Archer go to the facility by himself? <laughs> because of course he does. Because of well, course he does. What he really needs, Matthew, is some kind of armed assault team on Enterprise. Yeah, if only they had something like that in this era. (laughs) That can be used, you know, when shit gets hairy out there. They were optimistic when they left Earth the first time. But now they know it's real out there. You need something that seems like it should be an abbreviation, a weird abbreviation for Marine Corps, but it somehow it's different, isn't. Though. It's different enough that it's future-y. And like, yeah. yeah, now would be a good time to implement something like that if only they thought of it, I guess. Um, anyway, because Archer got a genetic change, he now craves gach. Uh-huh, makes, and he knows what it is. Makes total fucking sense. I will agree this is a two- <laughs> It is not good. Listen, they won last week. They've won eight. It's not that we could not let them win. Yeah. They fucked this one up real bad. It's not good. They're not good at it. They're not good at the Star Trek. Ah, world building. Okay, I'll say up front. Your feelings about this augment shit and Klingon heads will probably dictate your score on this one, would be my guess. Because it's a lot. Because that's, I don't know, that's the majority of the world building in this. All right, I guess Columbia was, like, next door. Yeah, we have to presume that they had a good angle. Yeah. Like, Enterprise left Earth and flew in some direction following that Rigelian transport, Mm -hmm. and then... Has been at Warp 5 for a while. Has been at Warp 5 for a while, but they must be doubling back or something. Yeah. Uh, There are some slight cosmetic differences between the two ships. I don't know what they mean. Um, (laughs) They're very slightly different in color. Why? This whole thing about the ships traveling in one warp field, I guess they really don't have enough good engineers. They have to do a fucking crazy scheme to share this one engineer. I don't know why they couldn't fly a shuttle between the two of them. I don't know. They find a way to make some shitty augments so they can cure this dumb plague they created, and that solves Star Trek's most central premise. 
How did the Klingons look different before than they do now? Great work. It's absolutely the Death Star plans of Star Trek. <laughs> it's so dumb. And again, I said it last week and I'll say it again. It's Deep Space Nine's fault. Yes, but we don't have to do this. It was entirely possible. Matthew, they could have done the whole seven season run of Deep Space Nine without digitally inserting themselves into, into the trouble with triples. Boy, yeah, it would have been pretty easy to do that, actually. They almost did it. Seems like it's weird how... <laughs> they got close. They only did even, it once. It's weird how even though TNG did a bunch of rejected TOS scripts and Phase 2 scripts and a straight remake of The Naked Time, uh, they somehow managed to not go back and visit the Enterprise in the middle of Charlie X and talk about the, te- the Enterprise. The technology didn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah, that's what they had to wait for. You know, no, they had compositing technology. They had it since the parent trap, at least. So, <laughs> um, this dude, the scientist, says he's from a warrior caste, and being a healer or whatever got him disowned and pwned by his family. Kalis said, "There's no victory without combat." He's sort of the opposite of Sun Tzu. Uh-huh. We see the lines being blurred with all this Starfleet intelligence business, what's acceptable during a threat to security, and then what constitutes a threat. I I put it at a three, but, like, if you hated this Klingon business, or if you loved it, like, if you hate this Klingon business, it's a one, and if you fucking love it, it's gotta be more, because that's a big deal, but... And let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, Like, I don't hate the solution to the problem. I I don't love I don't like that it. we had to b- drag Khan into it. Yeah. But like I guess it explains why it was temporary. Uh yeah, I mean but it's at least lasts like 100 years or whatever cuz like Yeah. They don't figure well, out how to fix that's, it. That is what I now it turns out wish the show had been about, which is the degeneration of Klingon society yes. into the rule by the warrior caste and how it really set them back, presumably all the way up until Praxis. Yeah. But it's not about that. I don't know, um, man. How do you feel about the world building? Yeah, we've got Article 14, Section 31. We've got personnel transfer at warp speed. There's one fucking wire you can pull on the top of the warp engine that shuts down the whole thing. Don't accidentally uh, trip that one. Oh boy! I mean, it's in an inconvenient place, so you, it's not like you're gonna just trip over oh, it. Yeah, don't when you're sweeping don't up. Don't throw the but, ball around out there like you could fuck up. Uh huh. Do a fuck up. Don't play a weird game of tennis where you try to bounce the ball off the top girder <laughs> that runs right over the warp core or something. Yeah, until well after dark. Yeah. Um. The merging of warp fields. The idea of ships flying in close formation is actually kind of interesting at warp mm-hmm. they don't go into it a lot but you do you know you get to see a couple of acutograms about it yep and then of course like you said the explanation of the klingon forehead problem um i was actually even a little less rosy than you i only gave it a two because okay. i you know i hate section 31 well i think everyone do- i don't think anyone has ever watched like ds9 and gone great fucking choice great addition to the program nice yeah nice, nice, nice. this is what i was waiting for i was looking for this business right definitely here. there won't be some who think section 31 <laughs> is good yep. this pre-aughts business i don't even know why i know to call it that but this is what i want <laughs> characterization 
Archer shows up just in time to take a deep personal risk <laughs> as per his it's Organian his, bio. It's his favorite thing. <sighs> uh, Trip and T-Pole make no progress and cover no ground in this one. Yeah, I haven't been sick of it for a season and a half or something. Uh, Reed comes out of this whole thing 100% Team Archer, but as always, why? Yes. Yes. Flox shows just how comfortable he is playing fast and loose with medical ethics. We already knew that. Ontok actually has more of a backstory than Reed at this point, now that we know his dad disowned him. It's true. So, no one stepped in shit this week, but no character work was done whatsoever. I gave it a three because at least they didn't do any bad character work. Yeah. Uh, By the way, not only do we not know more about him, but he just generally has more of a personality already. Like, I have a... Well, that is true, too. He's played by a much more charismatic actor. I already feel like I have, like, a line on this guy. Like, I understand him, but I I don't know anything about Reed. And not like, oh, he's so mysterious, but like, what is he? I don't know. (laughs) That guy? I don't know. Don't worry about it. Um... Trip is really important, huh? Mm-hmm. Maybe they did need to clone him and harvest that clone for organs. Maybe he is crucial. They sent him enough information that he was morally certain he could fix this problem. And, and that he couldn't just tell them how to fix it. Yeah, they should make another Sam. Hey, like, he couldn't tell them how to fix it, though? He had to. Well, I guess go the on pulling the wire? one wire is easy. It's all the rest of it that must have been I, I hard. I get huh? it, but. Uh, he had to do. They had to do the warp bubble and the crawl across the wire trick and everything. I feel like I might have tried to explain it and then see how that goes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he still sucks with T pole. And I was over that whole thing just so long ago. I can't believe we're still doing this. It's actually wild that we're still doing this. Were we supposed to think that Reed wouldn't end up <laughs> being with Archer and Enterprise? Like, was there a chance he was going to be all Section 31? <laughs> Only if we knew that there were six episodes left and that the writers were mad about it and were going to take it to a bad place. I, I was like, this is nothing. Like, of course he's going to, in the end, side with Archer and uh, the forces of good, I guess. Uh, Flox has been treated pretty rough since refusing to make augments. He looks like he's all roughed up in that cell. Is that just the virus or is he... Looks like he's been beat up. Um, Again, not at the end, though. Yes. he and By the time he's calling up and making ultimatums, he doesn't seem to have ever been sick in his life. <laughs> right. He and this other boy decide to trick James Avery and make shitty augments to cure the plague. Then there are 15 other issues later that come up of medical ethics, and they each become less interesting as they go. <laughs> T-Pole is worried about Tripp's eating and sleeping habits. Just like you've been eating, buddy. <laughs> Getting some sleep. Do you need to do a sex treatment? Did you have uh do you have you had any weird dreams that there was also my dream? Seemed like there might have been somebody else's dream. <laughs> like first it was your dream, but then it was my dream? Has that happened to you? Um I, like you said, I don't think we learned much about anybody in particular. Trip and people do the normal shit they do every week. Uh, Archer is shouty with Reed and does risky commando shit, as always. 
Really, only Phlox and Reed have any challenges, and they proceed sort of exactly as you'd expect them to. So, yeah, a three's fine. That's a three. Wow. Mm. Quick hitters? I already said the thing about speed three. Um, <laughs> Archer asked this lady if she had any plans for the next few days, and she does not. I assume he suggested fucking up in the catwalk, maybe. Or that one zero gravity spot that Travis went to. <laughs> the in boomer season spot. One. The boomer spot where gravity turns around in there. Maybe, yeah. Something that might top doing it on top of a mountain. More horrible actors cast as augments. <laughs> this lady was not good. This dude in the cell with Reed was not good. Were they models too? I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> I don't know. I would have loved if it was the two from the Augment trilogy. <laughs> With their weird in, heads. In, in, in the uh, in Klingon. Uh, burnt cork makeup. Yes. Because they didn't have weird heads. It, oh, I mean, yeah, they had weird heads, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, they had weird heads in a different way. They had their personal weird heads just, that they owned inside their bodies. I don't know what they're doing. These actors are terrible. Don't give them lines. And the uh, Archer's virus acting was deplorable. Just really a crime that he was doing. <laughs> Just like, did they give him any direction? Did they tell him what he was supposed to be doing? Ugh. Yeah, that's it. What about you? Quick ones. Uh, last week they had antimatter injector problems that meant they couldn't slow down because they needed to vent all that energy right through the warp drive. This week they just have a virus based on the movie Speed. <laughs> Seems like killing the reactor with open antimatter injectors is exactly wrong. Ah, uh, yeah. But shit, maybe, maybe the new engineer was just wrong about that. Could be. Who cares? Yeah. Um, it seems like once Reed has a hold on, or a uh, trip has a hold on the tether, they could just detach it from Columbia, huh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't think it needs to stay attached. It seems like at that point. Boy. Then if the ship got two more meters farther apart, it wouldn't matter. He'd still be holding on to the tether. It seemed like it was a real problem that they were drifting apart. They could have just said, nah, it don't matter, though. It don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Even this scientist is in the warrior cast. Do you think we will ever meet a farmer? I mean, Worf's got lands, but I don't know what gets done on them. Yeah. Even in Star Trek, a show where the computer always knows when lethal radiation exposure will occur, flocks knowing that one of four vials will cure a disease and three will be lethal, but also not knowing which ones, by the <laughs> yes, way, he is buck He doesn't wild. even have a guess. He's like, I don't know, I how, made four. How could he have possibly reached that conclusion? I made four. Actually, I was going to keep making them. Pretty soon it was going to be eight poisons in one cure, but I thought I should stop at four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like he's sure he already has the cure what happened with those other three I don't understand what's happening you can incinerate those buddy just use the cure one yeah like you know you made the cure how do you know if it's in there if you don't know how it works if you don't know which one it is how do you know it's one of those yeah god it's just just impossible um this guy went the whole episode without demanding anything not the extradition of Kirk not justice nothing I know Stick up, stand up for yourself, buddy. Yeah, he was more drawl than Klingon ambassador this week. Yeah, it's true. A lot of Babylon 5 going on in this podcast, as always. How can the Klingons have anything like a fleet admiral? Yeah. They're so 
weirdly fractured. It seems like a fucking feudal system of the future. The ships belong to the different houses. Like Fleet Admiral must be a temporary... Yeah, they voted. It must only exist for the length of time that they have actually assembled a fleet. They got the fleet together and that guy was, I don't know, respected. And they went, you should lead us. What about Krell? (laughs) Krell should lead us. He's just sneaky enough. He's exactly as sneaky as we want. <laughs> I gave best actor to Ontok, worst actor to pick your augment. Yes, fucking right. God, those guys were bad. Speaking of bad, the scores are all in. <laughs> yeah, it's the third week in a row of, well, there's a lot of red. There's just a lot of red on the screen. There is quite a bit of red. In last place this week with 10 points, no. Voyager, Demon. <laughs> Means I have to watch Voyager first when we do this again. Yeah. In uh, in third place with twenty points, Deep Space Nine: The Muse. I can't. It's actually kind of hard to believe it got up to twenty. That <laughs> episode 20. is terrible. We weren't that far apart. I gave it eleven. Yeah. You gave it nine. It's, we uh, yeah, scraped, scraped by to get to twenty. Second place this week with twenty four points, TNG: Identity Crisis. Yeah, we had we were flipped on who was first this week. So I had this one yeah. second. You actually had the winner third. I did, yeah. Um, and uh, our winner this week, ninth win with 25 points. That is a tie for the worst ever. <laughs> with last week. With last week. <laughs> Enterprise Divergence. Uh, two pity wins on its way out. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. everyone else is in a race real to the bottom. Weak competition. Exactly. Like, uh, it is as if Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and TNG all know that they're making it to the next round, right. and they're they have rested all of their stars, lining up their like, rotation and shit. But the problem is that Enterprise this week already had four times as many wins as Voyager, so yeah, Voyager. it doesn't actually the analogy doesn't make sense. But Voyager that's got I, into the playoffs on a technicality. <laughs> Voyager somehow got in. Um. Yeah. Voyager has two wins. Enterprise is up to nine now. Yeah. TOS at 17, of course, before it ex- exited. Deep Space Nine, 28. Next Generation, 35. Yeah. Oh, man. <coughs> All right. Well, the next time we do yeah, this. Yeah. The nth degree. Uh, Barkley gets crazy smart, takes over the Enterprise. For the cause. That sounds like... A beloved minor character turns out to be working with the an organization of bad guys. And also, who's Cisco dating? <laughs> uh, the episode of Voyager is called One. I have a bad feeling. It's one of those episodes where she's got to be alone on the ship while everyone's in stasis or something dumb. That sounds right. I don't know if it's true, but that's I know there is one of those. So, And Enterprise is bound Mm, and you told me that this yeah the synopsis for this says three orion women come aboard the enterprise and bewitch everyone except trip and maybe some of the women i don't know but all of the male characters are bewitched by three orion ladies i cannot believe that that's the synopsis like they don't even want us to watch no, they don't want me to watch it unbelievable you know i was listening to an old one of these and they did one like this but like different like when they went into the expanse there's like a us they go on a slave market and they got a slave lady on board and she goes around like manipulating everyone with her sex powers yeah and like we are we already did this 
Well, here's more. Here's more coming. Unbelievable. Um, Bound. I am traveling. I don't know if we're going to do a pod next week. It might be hard to do a Star Wars. Oh, God, it would be a Star Wars, huh? Yeah, so we might have a week built in here. Um, yeah. But that would be the next pod would be Star Wars Episode 7. The Force Awakens. Force Awakens, a J.J. Abrams yeah. joint. And uh, then after that, we'd go back to Star Trek for those episodes we just named, and then a mailbag. Um, yeah, maybe the start of the fruit bracket. Oh, yeah, that's right. We could do fruit bracket then. So that's what's ahead. Everybody send us some mail. I saw some mail coming in today. That's good. Um, that's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Um, you can email us, brothersbrotherdate.com. Brotherdate.com being the cool website with Landrew and all those cool brackets on them. Uh, and you can catch us on all kinds of podcatchers that catch all kinds of pods. I don't know. Is that it? You got anything? No, that's it for me, man. Business has been done. So long, everybody. Scruff, McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. She even convinces him to pay $10 per month to unlock the Microsoft Word tier with the great words like exhibition and judiciary. (laughs) That's actually just an idea I had for making more money off of MS Word, in case anybody from Microsoft is listening. <laughs>